You're listening to Revenge of the Drive-In from the Grandma Sophia's Podcast Network. This is the podcast where we watch and discuss two movies randomly selected from a list of over 1,700 and discuss with the intention of determining whether or not this makes for a good drive-in double feature. We're interested in horror films, exploitation movies, and other similar genres. We do go into the plots in detail, so if you're concerned about spoilers, we encourage you to check out these movies before listening. Follow us on Twitter for any updates, at DriveInPodcast. And without much further ado, I'm your host, Patrick, and I'm joined by... My name is Feck, and I am a schlock historian? I don't know what I am, but I am qualified to be here, I think. Uh, it sounds like it. I mean, I'm, I... I, you know, I've seen movies. I've seen a few movies. Sure, yeah. And I think that was... Movies that was, movies are a thing we've yeah. seen. I've seen movies. I think that's all I need to have done to be on this, right? <laughs> that's that's fair, yeah. Preferably, you've seen the two movies we're talking about. That's, that's I the, have. Yeah, I'll tell you what, though. One of the movies we're talking about, I mean, don't know um, if I really even have words for it. I, I don't know if I should, you know, get into that later. I'm actually or... not sure which movie you're talking about. <laughs> from from that, I, I I could see that working for either one. It, well, okay, I'll say that Grizzly, I just, I, I couldn't find myself invested in Grizzly in general. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> I, I honestly... Well, it's, it's, such a, it's such an original well, and well-told story. How can you not? Yeah, it's really very original. I love how original and unique it is that was my favorite thing about it you know i didn't dislike it but i I just couldn't really remember what happened as soon as it was over. okay well (laughs) if you've seen have you seen jaws i have seen jaws then you remember what happened in grizzly just transport that to the land i i I don't mind a good ripoff oh yeah i mean i'm a big italian 70s 80s italian movie fan of course yeah they had an entire genre of escape from new york ripoffs of, of mad max ripoffs of dawn of the dead <laughs> ripoffs i'm a big hell of the living dead fan that I, movie's incredible. i just think when it comes to jaws ripoffs like we were talking about the other day alligator you gotta see alligator i do have to see alligator that is the the best i mean it's not as blatant a jaws ripoff as okay as this was as grizzly was but it's still the same i mean you know it's a giant animal <laughs> And they yeah. like slowly trying aquatic animal in this case too. It's basically the same thing. I just think alligators awesome. <laughs> I don't know really what the difference is. I just enjoyed that one. We might as well. Well, first off, we need to say which our two movies are. We've mentioned one of them. It's yes. Grizzly and, and it's Vice Academy. Right, of course. And Vice Academy is available on Tubi. Yes. And I, I say that. I mean, we're recording this well in advance of when the episode has been released, but I saw it on Tubi like two years ago. Yes, Vice Academy wh- has been on there for a really long time. <laughs> I have a feeling whoever the hell owns the rights to Vice Academy just doesn't care. Yeah. They're like, oh, we're not profiting off of this. <laughs> Let it be on Tubi. I mean, I bet they make more money off just the ad revenue from Tubi than if they released it any other way. Although it has a Blu-ray release, believe it or not. They, I know it they, does. Uh, Vinegar Syndrome, I think. Is, when did that come out? Oh, I don't know. I was I was shocked to see that it existed because because it's like okay, this is sort of the kind of movie that would get like a you know those companies that find your f- forgotten yes eighties you know Miami connection or things right. like that. They'll, they'll just give 
those a blu-ray release and kind of see what happens yeah except i can't imagine like vice academy selling well having that kind of fandom you know i don't know for sure but i'm pretty sure that it's not just vice academy that they released they released like the oh it's all six yeah well there's six of them i know there's six of them but i i think there's like a release that i'm aware of that just was the first three which is even weirder the ginger lynn trilogy I guess. I think Ginger Lynn's only in the first three. That, I know I guess that would be only in the first two. Right. She's replaced by Elizabeth Caton, uh, which, you know, this is my hot take. That's an upgrade. I'm a big Elizabeth well, Caton fan. Nothing against, nothing against Linnea, but Elizabeth Caton, Monique Gabriel, if I'm looking for 80s, 90s, B-movie stars, those, right. are, those are the two. You know, you can't go wrong either way, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. And Linnea is certainly up there. She's vying for number three with Michelle Bauer for me. Right. I'm not as big a Brink Stevens fan. I think Brink Stevens is good, though. I don't I don't really. She's arguably the best actress of that group. That's probably true. Linnea is a decent actress, too. Linnea is not a bad actress. It depends on the movie, though. Sometimes they don't really ask her to This isn't her best work. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, well, yeah, obviously. I just looked it up. The Vinegar Syndrome one is just the first three, which is weirder to me. Okay, so it's not even all of them. <laughs> no love for Elizabeth Caton then. But I think she's in the third one, but she might not come around until the fourth. I'm not sure. No, I think she is I, in the third one. Okay, I have seen them all. I looked I, at the cast lists for. for <laughs> I didn't watch them all. And I know at some point uh, Mrs. Devonshire changes actress, but then but then the original actress comes back. Yeah, it's the third one. I looked that up because I was like, oh. why is she not in the third one? She's in every other one. <laughs> Yeah, it's... uh, I thought it was shocking that that character comes back in every movie. But, (laughs) I mean... (laughs) She sucks! She's the worst character! She's so... She's so... It's just funny that she even appears multiple times, but... Yeah! Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, I'm already at a loss for words, like you are in regards to Grizzly, but... Yes. Let's talk about Grizzly. Okay, You, you start. So Grizzly is a film that is actually near and dear to my heart. Now, is it the best movie ever? No. Is it the best bad movie ever? No. Mm-hmm. It's probably the first bad movie that I like enjoy enjoyed as a kid. It, it kind of showed me, to a certain extent, kind of the power of B-movies, of schlock films. And, and this asterisk on that, because this movie made $39 million at the box Oh, office. really? Wow, that's kind of crazy, It was successful. Actually. It was a big hit. It was the... <laughs> Legend of Boggy Creek of 1976. That's awesome. I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> and I, um, so I, as a kid, I remember I was probably seven or eight. We were at my grandparents' house and we were kind of talking about, I don't even know if it was around Christmas, but we were talking about like who actually goes to see movies in the cinema on Christmas Day. Like, because obviously that's a thing. Movies are released on Christmas. Right. But I have never done it. I've never known someone to do it. And my dad mentioned, you know, actually there was one movie I saw <laughs> on Christmas when I was in high school. Did that and come it out on Grizzly. Christmas? Or I, did, it was, or did he just see it on Christmas? Yeah, that's a good question because there were more. a lot of movies were more staggered releases back then. Yeah. I think the logic of releasing something on Christmas is that everyone has, like, off work. Yes, that would make sense. That has to be but the only I, reason. I'm also because, picturing... Yeah. James Cameron with like Titanic and Avatar and and then obviously now Star Wars like the the power of the December blockbuster as opposed to the summer blockbuster. I like to think the seeds were planted with this William Girdler film. Uh (laughs) Yeah, I I think so, too. I think James Cameron was really inspired by Grizzly. (laughs) 
Why not? I mean, he did Piranha 2, The Spawning. I mean, if we're talking about I know, I know. And it's, you know, one of the greats. <laughs> but yeah, I, so anyways, we rushed out and we found that movie at our local, rather my grandma's local family video. We watched it. And at the time, Jaws was probably my favorite movie. Mm-hmm. And I was shocked at how much of a ripoff it was because I knew Jaws very well. Yeah, it and, definitely is. And year and years later, I like had kind of forgotten about it. You know, it had sort of like been vaguely in my mind every now and then. I was reminded of it here and there. But then one time at a video store, probably about four years ago or so, mm-hmm. I stumbled upon it at Kingston Classic Video in Kingston, Ontario. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I watched it. And I mean, it wasn't as good or as funny as I remembered it. But here's the real takeaway here was I watched the little making of featurette slash documentary whatever you want to call it and i listened to the audio commentary Mm -hmm. by joan mccall who plays the photographer girlfriend slash daughter of that one guy in this movie (laughs) and uh david sheldon who was one of the screenwriters who those two were married okay and joan mccall actually is more known as a writer than as an actress she only has a few credits as an actress where she's written like hundreds of episodes of television like soap opera stuff like that Mm -hmm. i think she might be an uncredited writer on grizzly i I, again i listened to this commentary track years ago but the takeaways from the commentary track and from the making of they gave me some answers (laughs) you know and but like Part of the reasons why it's like such a blatant ripoff of Jaws, and it did come out in 1976, just the year after Jaws, was that mm-hmm. a couple of screenwriters watched Jaws and probably more importantly watched Jaws's box office returns. Right. And are like, we, we need to do this. Like, there's going to be, Jaws is so big, there's going to be hundreds of these coming out in a few years. Right. And they're like, we need to not only do this, we need to be the first to do it. We need to rush <laughs> okay. this movie out. I see. Because they were anticipating diminishing returns, which yeah. I'm sure was true. I don't think Piranha 2 The Spawning was a hit in 1981, 82, Should've whatever been, that though. was. <laughs> Should've but been. Piranha was a hit in 78. Yeah. Um, <laughs> The Great Alligator in 79, oh. who knows? I don't know. That movie sucks. Yeah, but... that movie is awful. <laughs> so it's like, okay, I'm starting to kind of get it get what they're doing but the best part about the commentary track was david sheldon again one of the co-writers joan mccall's husband seemed very proud of the movie and seemed to almost like try and talk himself into like how good quality it was (laughs) and joan mccall was kind of laughing at it she's like yeah this shot sucks like this this is (laughs) oh no so it was just it was just a hilarious dynamic to the two of them i do love a good commentary track that has that kind of energy. I I remember listening to the Chud commentary like a year ago or something. Have you ever listened to that <laughs> okay. one? Okay. No, do they they have Daniel Stern on it? He's Daniel the only Stern's thing I on like it. about Chud. All okay, the leads good. are on it. The directors on it. I think it's like four guys and they are just basically shit talking the movie the whole time. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. That is wonderful to know because I don't like that movie that much. They just are enjoying it so much though. They're enjoying just shit talking it it's it's a kind of a beautiful thing you know what the first audio commentary track i ever listened to for a movie was what mvp most valuable primate that's i that's crazy. i remember that vividly <laughs> the first, I, think <laughs> I, the, I don't know why i, I don't know why I that I was the first directorial commentary track i listened <laughs> that, to but it was it's a unique pick <laughs> i think the first one i listened to is probably like napoleon dynamite or something it's just like something oh. i had lying around or something yeah yeah and i remember I gotcha. thinking this My, is pretty good i guess do you have a do you have a favorite commentary track 
Honestly, the Chud one's up there. I really oh. like the commentary for Jacko. Do you know that movie? <laughs> of course, with Linnea Quigley. Yeah. yeah. You know the... <laughs> that was know, going to be brought up at some point, I'm do, sure. Do you know the commentary thing? Do you know what goes on in that? No, no. I've only seen that movie on... I actually I, think I saw it on Showtime, not Prime. <laughs> I was going to say Prime or Tubi, but... forgot who directed that movie, but it's just him and Fred Olin Ray. And <laughs> <laughs> Did Fred Olin Ray even work on that movie? I think he produced it or something. Okay. And basically... <laughs> Fred Olin Ray is just like kind of like goofing on the movie. He's being like respectful to a degree, but he's also just like kind of goofing on it. And the mm-hmm. director gets so mad at him and leaves. <laughs> the, he, he gets up. And I need leaves. that Blu-ray now. It's worth it just for that. He gets up and leaves, and then he comes back like five minutes later. Fred Olin Ray is just like kind of squirming, like trying to figure out how to do a commentary by himself. <laughs> yeah, of course. And then, <laughs> on a movie that he probably didn't have that much to no. do with, too. And then the guy shows back up, and uh, <laughs> it's just like really sad, angry energy the whole time. <laughs> I remember at one point, it was just like little innocent things. Like there was someone said, like, why don't you lock that door? And then he gets up and doesn't lock the door or something like that. And Fred Olin Ray's like, that's funny that he doesn't lock the door. And the guy was like, <laughs> I was like, well, you know what? I didn't have enough time to get that shot perfect. And I- <laughs> it's just like, don't take it personally, yeah, dude. It's just it like, was- <laughs> we all know like certain things, just certain yeah. behaviors in movies just aren't what you do in real life. Like yeah. doors and are left open exactly. in houses and it's just, it's part of movies. And you know? Fred Olin Ray was just like kind of treating it like that. Like it was a fun thing. Like not that it was bad. He was saying that he liked it. He just thought like, you know, some of the dumb things that they right. do is just fun. I like that movie. I liked I mean, it too. Sort of. <laughs> but the director... <laughs> that, that movie's up your alley, I'm sure. Yeah. Oh, I love that movie. <laughs> but the director just really, he was very defensive about it. And it was, <laughs> it was just a really, it was a really fun commentary to listen to. That, that's all I have to say. Also, I love every John Waters commentary. Those are always good. Oh, uh, well, John Waters is just a, I mean, I, I still haven't seen any of his movies, but he's just such a fun yeah. and interesting personality. I and mean, that's the thing I you get. Imagine. Like, you can get most of his movies really cheap on DVD, and I get them just for the commentary. I don't really care about owning the movie in, like, the best quality or anything. Just because it's just him riffing for, like, an hour and a half, usually. Yeah. And it's awesome. Yeah, I mean, I saw his segments, like, from, like, the mid-90s when when Joe Bob Briggs hosted Hairspray, you know, and he's Mm -hmm. just a just a fun person funny person so knowledgeable about film but also just it seems to have a genuine understanding that a lot of filmmakers don't that there's life beyond movies Mm -hmm. even though we all love movies and everything yeah he was touring with something called a very john waters christmas like a couple years ago and he came here and i didn't know what it was and i looked it up and i wasn't really illuminated as to what it was so i bought a ticket Okay. I didn't know what it was, and I went there, and it was basically just, like, stand-up comedy. <laughs> it was really weird, but okay. uh, I enjoyed it. So, you know, that's my review of A Very John Waters Christmas. All right. Well, let's get to our review of Grizzly. <laughs> that, was a, that was a great segue. This No, this just tells you how much I retained from grizzly yeah you'd rather talk about the chud commentary <laughs> chud commentary is, Ch- great. Chud is understandable but we but we got on jacko i mean yeah well look it's a great commentary it's a great film too there's some highlights <laughs> great shower somewhere. scene with linnea quickly yeah I, I recall the director saying that he hated that shot or something like that I hated having it in the movie oh come on the movie exists for that shot for i that think scene. i think it was probably fred olin ray though like was like, oh, you know, yeah, okay. like, you gotta have this in the movie. You gotta Linnea quickly. <laughs> you gotta have this yeah. in the movie. 
Yeah, it was it had to have been in Linnea Quickly's contract. It's just really weird because it seemed like he really wanted to make a serious film, and that just it did. I think oh the, oh based on the commentary track. Based on the commentary, it seems like the guy wanted to make okay. like a really serious, <laughs> like you know, masterpiece. Because it's a horror comedy about a guy with a pumpkin head. Going yeah, exactly. Slashing people, and for those of you listening that that aren't following along, <laughs> not exactly the. Eight and a half for La Dolce Vita levels of seriousness. I think it goes hand in hand with those films. <laughs> well, anyways. Yeah, let's Grizzly, get into Grizzly. Directed by William Girdler, who's sort of, he's an interesting guy. I think he's kind of the middle ground, the stepping stone from like the Herschel Gordon Lewis's to the Toby Hoopers of mm-hmm. the world. I don't even know if I've heard of this guy. Okay, listen, quality wise, he's closer to Herschel Gordon Lewis. Let's be honest. He's not <laughs> Toby Hooper, but... Right. He made a movie called Three on a Meat Hook, 1972, mm-hmm. 71, something like that. Not terrible, like like complete no budget. Right. But at the same time, not terrible. And it, like, I don't know if Toby Hooper had heard of it, but it seems like it's an influence on the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. That's interesting. I mean, it's people getting stuck on meat hooks hanging down. I mean, that, that fits you the know, profile. I don't know if... <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So you know, there's, there's that. That's probably of the movies I've seen by him. That's probably his best movie, like best quality. I also think it's his first movie. So it's like mm. kind of nothing but downhill after that. That's sad. But he made his he made his Exorcist ripoff <laughs> okay. in in the Manito, I think. Which or maybe it was behind Beyond the Door. He I don't know. Beyond the Door is an Exorcist ripoff. The Manito is an Exorcist ripoff. One of them. One of them is a Girdler film. So, so William Girdler was well acquainted with ripoff films, with kind of exploitation films, but at the same time, with Grizzly anyways, and even his sort of spiritual sequel, Day of the Animals, mm-hmm. he seemed to be going for a more PG kind of vibe. I mean, this movie's actually pretty violent. It's, yeah, there's a few scenes here where it's like, arm oh. gets <laughs> thrown off. <laughs> The leg. Well, yeah, the first thing we see is the arm. <laughs> I love how quickly, how easily the arm uh, yeah, comes off. It's that's like awesome. It's like it, I didn't, I didn't realize our limbs were perforated. No, but we, they, apparently they are. <laughs> anyway, so Grizzly opens on a sort of a bittersweet note because we get a lot of helicopter photography. It opens like a big movie. I think you would agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. It's sad because William Girdler passed away in a helicopter crash years later when he was like making a movie scouting locations for a movie wow I, that's crazy this would be like if um an episode of fraser took place at the world trade centers oh god <laughs> oh, you guys hold on first of all you're gonna get on me for bringing up jacko you brought up the fraser day 9-11 thing <laughs> <laughs> why not well well no i mean yes fraser crane day was september 11th we yeah. all know that <laughs> But one of the creators of Frasier was on one of the planes that went into... (laughs) You knew that too, okay. Yeah, that's crazy, but... (laughs) Yes. I just wasn't expecting to get into that. (laughs) Frasier Crane Day is September 11th, for those of you that were not familiar. Well, it's not anymore, though, is it? Well, I I don't know if they don't. They just don't celebrate it anymore. recognized by the federal government. It should be. It should be. It should be. Why was it the 11th to begin The 10th with? and the 12th. It's like the Fraser Crane They should weekend, just make it the but, whole but, month. Yeah. <laughs> so, yes. Uh, so we get a lot of helicopter stuff of the character Don, played by Andrew Prine, who I believe is, I think he's the main cop in The Town That Dreaded Sundown. I know I've seen mm. him in something. But he's a very 70s looking person. Every yes, person is. in this movie is the most 70s <laughs> yeah, person I agree. ever, right? 
Yes. That's <laughs> lots, of, lots of denim, lots of bell bottoms. Yeah, you gotta love it. Yeah, I know. I like it. And so, so we get these fantastic aerials. He's like a, he's a Vietnam veteran. Don is, but he's working as like a tour guide over this national park that goes unnamed, I believe, for the entire movie. Yeah, I don't remember them saying it at any point. Clearly going for like a Yellowstone kind of vibe. I mean, it seems huge. Mm-hmm. It, yeah. I live in the part of the country where there's nothing worth looking at, so there's no national parks anywhere <laughs> near me. So right. I guess I don't know how big national parks are, but... I mean, this one's definitely big. I, some of them are, are huge. Well, Yellowstone. I mean, Yellowstone's huge. Obviously, yeah. that's why I kind of mentioned that. But Do they even say what like state this takes place in? I noticed at the end credits said, like, we thank the state of Georgia or something, but I don't oh. think they say that in the movie. And I mean, it, they do acknowledge, like, that it's normal to have bears where they are, but it's not normal to have this type of bear. Yeah. So I don't know if grizzlies are around Yellowstone. Who knows? If they are, then this isn't yet. Maybe, I mean, are bears in Georgia? Like, maybe not just giant bears? I'm, I don't know. I'm a schlock historian, not a bear historian. Yeah, yeah. Bears that walk on two legs and occasionally show up as costumed actors. Yeah, you know, I think that's Those that exist happened. in Georgia? <laughs> yeah. They're quite common there. Sorry about that. <laughs> yeah. I think you should be apologizing more to the audience. Well, I, I should apologize probably for our movie choice. I mean, the average person listening to this is going to be like, Grizzly? Vice Academy? Like, <laughs> I'd rather hear you guys talk about Hellbound Hellraiser 2. It's the perfect pairing, though. Grizzly, These two movies together? Yeah, of course. They, yeah, they... well, I'm, I was thinking about this because our pairings, I mean, we do select things at random. Yeah. But our pairings tend to be, I don't want to say A movie and B movie, but like a relatively well-known maybe a classic or at least a popular movie right and then some kind of like weird exploitation-y kind of movie like you know halloween house by the cemetery house by the cemetery is well known to horror fans right to anyone that isn't a hardcore horror fan that's like the most disgusting movie ever you know and it's actually funny because i had the opposite experience with this because i had never even heard of grizzly and but grizzly was a hit i know i i I believe it (laughs) I just yeah. I just didn't know it, but I'd been wanting to watch Vice Academy for a long time. <laughs> so you were familiar with it, okay? Yeah. So I had the opposite <laughs> interaction. That is, you were you might be the only person on earth <laughs> who wanted to watch Vice Academy. Uh, well, who had heard of it? Even <laughs> I really think that I think if you if you ask Linnea Quigley's like family members, they'd be like Vice Academy. What is that? The, the <laughs> if you with, asked um, her family members about half the movie she was in, that's true. <laughs> They wouldn't know about Jacko. She's kept that from them. (laughs) You think they remember the horror workout? Well, that one you have to. She invented a new genre. Yeah. The zombie workout tape. That's a a genre of one. It's hugely important. I agree. (laughs) Yes. Anyways, after after the helicopter stuff, we meet a couple more of our main characters. We meet three characters here. Two of them are main characters, and one just is here. But we've got photographer lady played by Joan McCall. Right. Her name is Allison, and she's sort of an item, I guess, with Kelly, the the um, Christopher George from Pieces, the yeah. greatest film ever. It's a great film. I agree. It's an incredible movie. It's better than Grizzly. <laughs> but, <laughs> I mean, I, I have to. But anyways, yeah, so Kelly is like the head the ranger, head, you know, war, park right. warden, I think is the term that they use, but there's someone above him who, like, yeah. owns the national park or something. I'm never clear of the... 
Yeah, I didn't get the of politics the of it, here. but yes, of the, of the <laughs> well, and in this when we meet these characters too, we think politics and this kind of thing is going to be important because Allison's talking to her dad, who owns the lodge, like the hotel. Yeah, and she's like, "Hey, you, you, we're we've got a lot of bills, we've got to pay." You're yeah, she's like too grilling much him on expensive wine. <laughs> yeah, she's like grilling him on how much he charges for stuff. And that comes up absolutely zero times later on. Right. So, I mean, like, I don't know why this is how we introduce these characters. I don't even remember this, her dad coming back. I don't think he does. All I remember from that is she does that, and then I think Kelly walks in and says, you should write a how-to book, how to not be on time, or something like that. Oh, yeah, (laughs) they have have a fun relationship. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. (laughs) So much that I'm not even sure they're dating. They're just, like, (laughs) friends, maybe. I don't know. It's so Not a lot of sexual chemistry there with them. Well, Christopher George, I mean, he's married to Linda Day, Mm -hmm. obviously, who's also in Pieces, the greatest movie ever made. Best movie ever made. (laughs) Also, the two of them are in The Day of the Animals, the spiritual sequel to Grizzly. Seems like I gotta see that one now. Leslie Nielsen also in it. Leslie Nielsen's in that? All-star cast. You know what movie has an even bigger cast than either... The Day of the Animals, or Grizzly, or Vice Academy, for that matter. Or even Vice Academy 3. What? Grizzly 2. There's a Grizzly 2? Oh my God. I'm actually surprised you haven't heard of this. It, I wanted to say it's, it was big news like a year ago. It wasn't. None of this is big news. Oh, I have heard about that. Grizzly 2 <laughs> was a film that's like just now coming out finished but never released i yes. think that's and it was would have been made probably in like 84 oh my God, it would have I been do, 83 84 i can't believe that i knew about that and didn't remember <laughs> until just you saying it just now <laughs> yeah i think it's got a subtitle i'm tempted to call it grizzly 2 this i think it's like because that just sounds good I grizzly think it's 2 like the, revenge. the revenge or something yeah yeah i mean just like the most generic title Grizzly 2 Awakenings, I don't know. Can I see if I remember off the top of my head who's in this? Okay, yeah, go ahead. Three all-time A-listers. Yeah, I seem to recall Charlie Sheen being in this movie. Positively. And then... I'm I'm pretty sure it's Laura Dern and... Laura Dern, pre-Blue Velvet. George Clooney, pre-Return to Horror High, George Clooney. I mean, this is... What the hell? (laughs) Probably post-Revenge of the Killer Tomatoes, pre-Return to to Horror High, George Clooney, pre-Platoon, Charlie Sheen, pre-HIV, Charlie Sheen. But did it finally come out? Like, did, it, did it end H- up His coming HIV out? diagnosis? No. <laughs> well, yeah, that too. <laughs> well, but... No, because that was a big story, but no. <laughs> I looked it up on IMDb, and it says 2020. So I think it did mm-hmm. get some kind of Blu-ray or something. I don't know. I'm actually not that interested in it. There's no Girdler. You know, right. I mean, Grizzly is, is the, is it's it's Girdler's picture, really, so. Mm-hmm. Who directed it? I don't know. Some <laughs> guy. <laughs> okay. Just some <laughs> name withhold from. upon request, probably. I mean, that's probably why it wasn't released. <laughs> it's an Alan. What? Wait. What was the, the Alan? Yeah, yeah. It's got to be an Alan Smithy. It, Alan it Smithy. Be, that's right? it. Yeah, it has to be. He, I, he directed my favorite Hellraiser film. Which one? Bloodline. <laughs> wait, that was an Alan Smithy. <laughs> that is an, that is that is the most mainstream Alan Smithy. You're telling film me that's I'm an Alan with. Smithy joint? I didn't even know. I honestly really liked that movie, but that's neither here nor there i suppose i can count the amount of hellraiser films i like on one finger i think i can count them on not five, <laughs> five okay. or six well it's, it's betting 500 that's not bad i know i i just i think the first five are good then i like the eighth one even though it's oh really, actually really actually bad. i like uh, hell on earth three is pretty good so you don't like the second one i'm not a fan of it it's basically 
because the first one I enjoy, but the plot is a nightmare. And I don't mean like like horror movies they feel like nightmares. Yeah, that's good. But like, I mean, like it's a nightmare to follow. Hellbound is that. No, yeah, the second I mean, one is a weird definitely plot. hard to follow. I agree. Exactly. It, to me, it's it's even it it, it, ex, it accentuates the things I don't like about the first one while giving me very little of what I liked about the first. Again, one. going Although off topic, it, but I, I think yes. the the beauty of those two is that the first one is so minimalist, and the second one is like the most maximalist movie I can think of. Okay. And I like Hellraiser three because it's just pure schlock. That's just yeah, that's agree. a slasher movie. Like we we don't even care. And that's kind of like the one where the one based on like the computer game. Yeah, is that like the, the eighth, eighth one. one? That, yeah, that that's one. That's the is, other is one I like too. <laughs> yeah, one, I like the first five, fun. and then I like the eighth one, and that's about it. And I don't love the eighth one, but you gotta like. No, it's it's. <laughs> I mean, it's Lance Henriksen. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> bringing wait, everyone wait, wait, wait. to a house party to kill them. I mean, that's pretty fun. He directed the eighth one. No, Lance Henriksen's just in it. He's in it. Oh, right, right. Why, Alan Smithy directed Bloodline. Adam Smithy directed the Adam Scott one. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I remember. I remember Bloodline. Trust me. I, I, okay. no, I remember right. Adam Scott in that one. Trust me. He like basically <laughs> a first... vampire or something. Yeah, that's his first feature film, right? I believe it. <laughs> I've ne- I've never seen him talk about it. Did you know that I uh. I, I, I shouldn't say I ran into, but I in or in even saying I met him would be too strong. But I saw Paul Rudd on Broadway in mm-hmm. the in the play Grace, and I got uh, Paul Rudd's autograph after seeing Grace. And I, I specifically got it for my mother because my mother I thought liked Paul Rudd, and then when I gave it to her, she's like, "Who's Paul Rudd again?" And like, <laughs> That's <God."> awesome. <laughs> but anyways, when I when I got his autograph, I said to him like, "Hey, I really enjoyed you in Halloween 6. I was hoping you were gonna say. That. And he kind of laughed about it, and then I think he said something along the lines of, thank God for Clueless or something, because those were his two theatrical <laughs> releases in 1995, <laughs> and one set him up as the comedic actor that we that we came to love, and the other right. was... The, Halloween 6 was the original release, the Snyder Cut, wasn't it? I think so. It, it was definitely a big deal, because the director's cut is better, in my opinion, at least. Yes. You can say, you know, polishing a turd if you want, but it's a better movie. I agree. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I can't really say many great things about that movie, but I did, you know, it was all right. Well, I guess, I guess actually Superman 2 is probably the original release, the Snyder Cut. Was it? I didn't even know about that one. The final film's directed by Richard Lester, but the guy who did the original movie, the Lethal Weapon guy, did most of that movie. Uh, wait. Believe the weapon guy. Um, Don, Donner, Jeffrey, Jeff- yeah, Jeffrey, Don- wait, 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 wait. <laughs> Jeffrey Donner, Jeffrey Donner, no, 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 no. Richard Donner, Richard Donner, <laughs> Richard Donner, yes, Jeffrey Donner directed. Yeah. Je- <laughs> that's what he was known for, actually. I think Jeffrey Dahmer. Oh God. Yeah, I knew that Re- Richard Donner did. Didn't he do the first one? Yeah, he did. He did that. He did Lethal Weapon. I think he did the entire Lethal Weapon series. He no, did he did Goonies. do all those. For sure. Yeah. He did. The, he did Goonies. He did those four Lethal Weapons. So. After we meet many of our main characters... We're still meeting them. (laughs) After we've met them... Right. We see two very 70s-looking young women. They're walking around. They get scared by a cop on a horse Mm -hmm. in a very, very slap together like false jump scare. You know, Jonesy the Cat jumping out at Harry Dean Stanton kind of thing. It's it's very poorly put together. Mm -hmm. And then they get attacked by the bear. Now, first off, we get a lot of bear POV here. Yeah, that's true. You know, very original Friday the 13th, or very opening scene of Halloween, or very Peeping Tom, the mm-hmm. Michael Powell film. Or, uh, uh, 
Or the opening scene of Puppet Master. (laughs) I was about to say the the Puppet Master scene. Yeah, with Blade running around. Yeah, it's very similar to that. I mean, that's the most memorable scene from that first one, probably. I like the when they're killing the bad guy and it takes him twenty minutes to like <laughs> saw off his feet and stuff. I, like that scene. I mean, I like that movie. I'm just saying when I think of that first one, that's the first thing I think of is little Blade. The first thing running. I think of is the Barbara Crampton scene, actually. But well, that's true. <laughs> I do think about that too. But I want to focus on the POV for a minute here, because uh-huh. based on the POV that we see from the bear, the bear is walking on two legs. It has to be, because it's like a good 15 feet off the ground, the POV is. <laughs> okay. We do see later on that the bear walks on two legs mm. for an extended period of time, because this is a trained bear, a trained to some extent. I mean, I don't think you can train a bear like you can train your wife, but, you know... It's a bear. It's a bear's name, Teddy, of course, because if you own a bear, what else are you going to name it? Okay. Is that, is that his real name? I mean, I don't know if it was given to him, you know, by his parents or <laughs> okay, it's yeah. his adopted name. It's a slave name. Okay. Interesting. So Teddy is great. He's the most compelling performer in this movie, except for maybe the guy in the bear suit. I like but, the guy. I forgot his name already. The guy who wears the hat the whole time. Who's like, is that the helicopter pilot or no? He doesn't. No, the, the guy like lives off the land. Who like knows? Oh, <laughs> Richard Dreyfus. Yeah, you're, yeah, yeah. You're, the a Richard, Ri- you're a Hooper fan. Yeah, okay. The Richard Dreyfus type. Yes, <laughs> I, I like <laughs> Richard. Yeah. J- Richard Jekyll, I think, is the actor's name. Wow, that's who, interesting. By the way, won an Academy Award like a few years before making this movie. So for what do you know? Sometimes a great notion, which I've never heard of. Yeah, but. I've never heard of that either, but. It's great. I'm glad he won. Again, the POV. So so we get like our first indication, our first bear attack sucks because we're worried about, oh no, it's just going to be a POV and we're going to see someone with a fuzzy arm swinging it around. Mm-hmm. Although again, the first the first swing, an arm comes off, which is yeah. pretty great. It's awesome. I mean, that's, that's a... It's worth that's the price of admission. The movie. It catches you off guard. You're like, oh my God, this is always yeah. starting. <laughs> but it, the scene kind of sucks because it's it's not... There's nothing connecting the bear with what's actually going on, which, I mean, to be fair, is very Jaws-like. Right. Because Jaws, the whole thing is you don't see the shark until halfway through. I feel like it's just like most creature feature movies where you don't see it until like like the movie's almost over. Not in this case, but that is the case a lot of the time. Right. No, and we do get, I mean, for a while you do not think they're using a real bear because we get these lazy um, <laughs> these lazy Betsy Palmer shots of someone yeah. walking through the woods on stilts, <laughs> which might actually be how they accomplished those. I, that wouldn't shock me. <laughs> <laughs> but eventually we get full, full bear, and when we see it walking, the, the camera's really tight on the bear because they don't want you to be able to compare it to anything for scale. Yeah. And realize that this is actually about a six foot tall bear and not a 15 foot tall bear, which is great. Yeah. Real Gila monster uh, situation. Oh, the giant, the giant Gila monster. Where it's like clearly not big at all, (laughs) but then they build (laughs) the set for it. Oh, yeah. No, I like even like just ignoring that obviously the bear isn't a giant, you know, Godzilla bear, you know. Mm -hmm. I like that the, the guy in the bear costume, that bear costume is huge. Right. That probably is 15 feet, but we only see it for a brief second or two here and there. It's just like they scatter it. They mix it in really nicely. It's good filmmaking because, you know, if you have too long a shot on the bear costume, you're going to say, oh, my God, that's ridiculous. But when they sprinkle it in like they do here, you say, oh, my God, that's ridiculous. But, hey, we're already on to the next shot. Like, it's not a big deal. 
<laughs> you know. So what you're saying is the guy in the suit has to be 15 feet tall. I I think they got <laughs> minute ball on Andre the Giant's shoulders right. okay, for I the bear understood. bear suit. Understood. So have we even met the Richard Dreyfus type yet? It, no. Yes, we're getting to this. I'm sorry. This is this is on me, folks. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm I'm just excited for his appearance. Right. No. But anyways, we got to conclude the first attack because right. one of the girls is killed, and the other one runs into this like work shed, or it's just like, it's just this wooden building. It's it's you know the type of building that Abe Lincoln grew up in. Mm -hmm. And she gets inside, and then you know the roof starts tearing down, and we get a little bare arm. Come right. and give her the reach around. <laughs> right. And then, so the park rangers are figuring out, like, okay, hey, we had two hikers that we haven't seen yet, so we got to go looking for them. And right. so it's Kelly, the head park warden, his photographer girlfriend, and then that other guy that gave them the jump scare earlier. <laughs> they go searching, and they find the cabin. It takes them way too long to discover that the cabin's been torn apart. Yeah, like, I don't know what is. angle they approach it from. <laughs> <laughs> there's really no way that it could make sense <laughs> but no it really can't but they're like oh they're coming over to it and they're like oh i wonder if the door is locked and i'm thinking it's open out back yeah like there is no back just go there just <laughs> move two feet to your left and you'll see there yeah. is they find the body the body's like hanging up isn't it it's something like that it, i it's think like, it is like it's a real the... like a yeah, I don't remember. like a jason Voorhees like rearranging of the body <laughs> kind of thing yeah and then, but they don't find the other girl, and they find her at night when photographer lady slips in, like, some blood. And so they discover that, okay, the bears are burying their food. Right. And and this is one of several weird things about this. A, bears don't attack and eat people, generally speaking. Right. That's, that's weird thing number one. Weird thing number two is... Well, I actually don't know if this is a weird thing because I don't know about bears. I'm not a, like a, like you. I'm not a bear historian. I don't know if they bury their prey. Well, they say in the movie yeah. that they do, and I mean, yes, I take that. Authority. And you and you trust you trust <laughs> Richard Jekyll. Yeah, I, I, I think Jekyll. I, I think Girdler. I mean, he knows what he's talking about. Girdler, about bears. Yeah. This guy I've heard of. It's such a now fun today. name, William yeah. Girdler. I'm sure they had a bear expert on set all, all times. Well, they at the very least they had a bear trainer, or they could have just asked the bear. Well, you know, if this movie were Italian, right? A, the ending would be a little bit different. Mm -hmm. Because they probably would have blown up an actual bear. Spoilers. But B, <laughs> this would have been like, this bear would not have been trained. They would have, There would have had zero safety precautions. It would have been Roar. Oh, God. It would have been Roar, but with a bear. And if, that would that would be a movie I would want to see. Roar <laughs> with a bear? Well, yeah. I mean, like an untrained bear, like an Italian. You want an like untrained a, you know, bear to attack Rick, Richard Jankel or whatever his name is? I mean, maybe. But like, I'm thinking like the insanity of having yeah. some guy wrestle a shark underwater in Zombie <laughs> 2. I'm thinking about that kind of thing. That's so just unbeatable, though. That, that is scene. maybe the most incredible scene in motion picture history. I, I mean, agree. that up there, as far as like scenes that just make you feel the true magic of cinema, that's up there with Elliot's bike flying for the first time in E.T. That's great. And then also, you know, bastards and pieces. <laughs> bastards? Oh, it's yeah. the line? <laughs> when she keeps saying bastards, bastards. I was, I was going to say the Kung Fu professor in pieces. Well, that, well <laughs> that's a good scene too, but. That is so great. Or the the their, the moving glass scene too. There's really just a lot of great scenes in that movie, <laughs> but yeah, I was, oh I was just God. trying Pieces. to tie it back in. <laughs> right, so you bastards. 
no, but awesome. I just the idea that someone has a kung fu professor. I mean, that to me, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and, and then that he was acting the way he was because he had bad sushi or something bad like bad like wonton I don't, it was that's definitely like lying. a questionable scene in the movie but you just kind of had to roll with it <laughs> it looks that describes the movie in general pieces yeah, but i still feel like that was unexpected even for that movie <laughs> that scene where he just no like, that's true out. yeah that is something that stands out even in an even in a movie, movie like that it's like the scene in mulholland drive when like the the little people start chasing after her and become bigger like i wasn't expecting that i thought you were gonna say like when the thing appears behind the diner that's kind of a crazy scene that might be the only scene because i've seen so many horror movies and everything that may be the only scene that still scares me it is terrifying i don't know what i don't know why it's so effective but that as a jump scares just really, really works. it's tire thing and that's bonnie aarons aka the nun from mm-hmm. the um conjuring spinoff movie oh okay I didn't even know that. Yeah, just, uh, she plays an excellent monster. Let's put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> or, or hobo in this case. He's not even a monster. I don't know what he is. You gotta love someone who just kind of falls into playing monsters. I'm looking at you, Michael Berryman. I was about to say Michael <laughs> Berryman. Clint Howard, although... Clint Howard's awesome, too. They're, Clint, they're... Clint Howard, Clint Howard, not necessarily monsters, just weirdos. Yeah, Clint's worse, honestly, because he plays like totally normal humans who are just... <laughs> completely messed up <laughs> because because clint you know with his misshapen head kind of passes for like a michael berryman type yeah like a, like a someone that belongs in the he's an in-between house. but he also passes as potentially a normal person if yeah. you will yeah that's, so that's he's really he's, he's a lin- liminal actor he exists yeah. in a liminal space i agree <laughs> I just watched Ice Cream Man, like, the day before yesterday. Clint Howard, of course, from the television series uh-huh. Gentle Ben, where uh-huh. he befriends a bear. So, that you know, you, you should have had 70s. him on. We should have, yeah, yeah, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to hang up on you and call, yeah, and call Clint, Clint Howard. And <laughs> Clint Howard, tell me about your bear experience. Well, when I was talking to that bear... <laughs> I don't know what else he would say. But. I love how, like, imagine being such a weird-looking person that as a four-year-old kid, you get the call, like, hey, we want you to play an alien in this stupid show, Star Trek. Like, what do yeah. you, like, I mean, you're four years old. You're not going to say no. But even before that, he played that kid in the Andy Griffith show who ate PB&J all the time. <laughs> I don't, I, I guess that's not surprising that he's on that. I didn't know that, though. Yeah, he's been in it since age two or three or something oh, yeah. like that. And God bless him. Yeah, oh, yeah. Well, I mean, he's a fantastic actor. I yeah, mean, I really say that half-joking. He actually is talented. No, he's great. I it's think just, he... I mean, because He'll honestly, never get, like, a normal role because he is so weird-looking. But I don't even want the him Michael to get Berryman a normal thing. Yeah. No, no, you don't, because he's so good at what he does. But, like, Michael Berryman is a very good actor, could oh, play yeah. a perfectly normal person if he only looked differently, which is unfortunate. Yeah. It's like, um, I mean, to a lesser extent, like Kathy Bates. Like, she'll never get the quality <laughs> well, yeah. of roles that someone like Julia Roberts would have gotten in the 90s or, like, these other pretty actresses because she's not particularly attractive, but she's a fantastic actress. She's just as good as any of them. You of course. Know? And at the end of the day, like, say what you will about Ice Cream she, Man. She, but, <laughs> Kathy Bates could have been in Jacko. <laughs> Kathy Bates should have been in Jacko. <laughs> yeah. I would have loved to hear her on the commentary track. Clint Howard carried Ice Cream Man is all I was going to say. Uh, yes. I mean, I'll say he carried it in a very, you know... It probably should have been double bagged. It wasn't. It barely, he barely made it up the step before it no, collapsed. You know, no, in no, that no, way, no. that's, that's to You're me how. You're doing him a disservice. <laughs> 
Well, here's the thing about Ice Cream Man. Why cast total babe Olivia Hussey, who even in her like middle age is a beautiful woman? Why uh-huh. cast her to play an old lady who? <laughs> no, in I don't one understand. Brief that. flashback: she doesn't have old age makeup on. Yeah, I, what I is that? Couldn't even tell. You. Honestly, it doesn't seem like she has old age makeup on in her normal scenes where she's old. <laughs> <laughs> right, there's just a tiny bit. It's. <laughs> No, there there are a lot of questionable things about that movie. Like, why does everyone acknowledge that he grows great flowers when they're obviously just like metal? Oh <laughs> things yeah, that, that's right. Like, and also, why does yeah. the ice cream look like it's mashed potatoes? I mean, that it, well, we know the answer to that one potato. because it literally was. Yes, yeah. but <laughs> but at the end of the day, my point is, all these things aside, Clint Howard carried that movie. It wouldn't be half as good without Clint Howard. Yeah, I no, I agree. It wouldn't be half as good. I, I we disagree <laughs> on the point of just how good the end result is i guess i mean i well, think it's an okay movie but uh, but i don't think it would be even an okay movie without clint howard no that's true i mean it would be jack frost without clint howard <laughs> that's right exactly william girdler the man himself mm-hmm. great transition. the director of sheba baby the black exploitation movie i believe with okay. pam greer we all love pam greer okay that's that's a good pam greer plays the person in, in the bear suit in this movie yeah, Fantastic that's what I've performance. heard. They thought it was weird for the bear to have breasts, but Girdler had a baby. <laughs> yeah. That's where all the height came from. They had her on her back. Yeah. That's Girdler for you. You know, if you need someone to reinvent the wheel, Girdler's yeah. your guy. He's an eccentric, but he gets results. Just not when he's in a helicopter. No, apparently like, not. I've, I've I, only... I, don't, I don't know if he was the pilot. He probably wasn't. Well, is that better? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, can you imagine like being the passenger and like you were just the entire time like you're spinning out of control. You're just like looking at the guy, the guy just like shaking your head like Jesus Christ. Yeah, but if you're the I passenger, then that means you're there's at least another person in the helicopter. If he's flying it, he could be the only one in there. That's true. Yeah, it could be the John Denver scenario. Exactly. There's relevant references always. Didn't John Denver die in a plane that he invented like or that he created himself? <laughs> <laughs> invented so. probably not the right word but it's like <laughs> he it's, invented he, the plane i think <laughs> yeah it was like one of those da vinci like proto <laughs> yeah, exactly things. Her- i know harrison ford like crashed one oh that's li- right yeah. lived he crashed one and like had no scratch on <laughs> <laughs> i remember when that happened they were like because that was like around the time i think the force awakens was going to come out and there were like so many people were like oh no what would this trilogy be with and i'm like this is a 75 year old man yeah. who was seriously injured and you're like oh my god i need my 15th <laughs> star wars movie to be okay and then i mean and he, spoil- and he died in the yeah, next I was about one to say, anyway, spoiler so alert don't even cares? matter <laughs> <laughs> Although he did show up in the third I didn't one see the third in that one, trilogy I, for some one. Yeah, was, was he, he like a force anything. ghost or something? I think he's in like a dream. They do like a Sopranos, like the test dream kind of thing. That's awesome. Yeah, Except so by good. the Sopranos. I mean, not good. Yeah, I have no real plans on seeing that movie anytime soon. Well, but. speaking of not good, Grizzly then proceeds after <laughs> this sort of, after we have all this information, Kelly, again, Christopher George. Right wants to go and contact their kind of their naturalist their bear expert he's just a nature expert he's, he's a nature guy right they uh, he lives in the woods with with a herd of deer a pack of deer or whatever he's got like deer he's got like a deer carcass on him it's yeah i mean when we're, intru- wardrobe when we're introduced to him he's like about to shoot some deer right 
I thought he was, but he was also upset that they made oh, the deer scatter because he was them? like, I was living with them. I don't think he was shooting anything. Oh. I don't think he does shoot things. I, but he had a gun. Well, but that's, right. you know, he's driven to that uh, yeah. because, because a little child's leg is ripped off. <laughs> well, <laughs> Spoilers. I misread that scene then. I thought he was going to kill them. <laughs> Those deer. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. But I think he's the grizzly man, but yeah. just with deer. Okay. Anyways, they contact him, and they say, hey, we've got a bear issue. And he's like, okay. And then eventually he goes off and does his own like little discovery, and they find him. They actually think he is the bear, because right. he's wearing that stupid outfit. They <laughs> they find him by helicopter. It's Don, and it's Kelly. So it's Quint, and it's Brody, in that order. And they mm. find their little hooper here, played by Richard Jekyll. The great Richard Jekyll. You, you probably know him from that movie Richard he Jekyll. won an Oscar yeah. for. They talk to him, and there's like this stupid like something about this bear is like prehistoric is like i don't know what yeah. they're doing here was that that scene where he's like this is a million year old bear or something yeah like it's just a big bear do we need it to be like prehistoric like you might if you're going to go that stupid you might as well bring in nuclear radiation and have it just be like a godzilla bear right well yeah that would be beautiful well, i mean i don't mean it's literally godzilla size but i mean just say like oh there was a this was a nuclear test site right. near yellowstone years ago and it looked like <laughs> it affected only one bear you know like you might as well go that dumb but yeah. girdler keeps it a bit classier than that a yeah. bit you know girdler <laughs> until the four-year-old kid is brutally murdered then we exit the classy and we realize oh this is the guy that did three on a meat hook that's yeah. right Girdler is an exploitation. He's from the Herschel Gordon Lewis school. He's a class act. Yes. Yeah. You know, Girdler's great. And um, so the park, again, the, the head of the park, we mentioned we're not really familiar with the politics of this state park or excuse me, national park. But the guy, the, you know, the Murray Hamilton character, the mayor yeah, from like Jaws type guy. For sure. Yes. The, he wants to see up at Washington. Boss. Yeah, <laughs> Washington, Georgia, or whatever, yeah. <laughs> he uh, brings in some hunters, and they're like, hey, we gotta catch this bear. But And I think this is after the bear attacks a campsite at night, because they evacuate, like, the upper levels of the park, but not the park itself. Yeah. <laughs> which seems like not a great idea, really, in hindsight. I mean, you can say, you know, hindsight 50-50, but, or 50-50, it's 2020. Yeah, hindsight uh, it could go either way. <laughs> Hindsight is fifty fifty. We don't know what's going to happen. Could, could go this way. Could go. Hindsight's yeah. ninety minutes. That's what Girdler says. Girdler always finished his sentences by saying, "That's what Girdler says." I mean, if you have a name like that, you got to incorporate some third person. Yeah, he's always like, "Hey, but they don't pay Girdler for his opinions." <laughs> Girdler. It sounds like someone who girdles someone like it sounds like yeah. it'd be like a, a term used to describe a criminal like like a yeah. girdle if you girdle a woman you, you know your special yeah. victims unit is after you or something i think there should maybe be a movie or the vice the or the vice squad is after you <laughs> oh finally we can we can combine these two movies by having a girdler involved yeah, i think i'm just thinking of burglar because it sounds a little bit like that it's someone who forcibly puts a girdle on somebody <laughs> yeah there you go <laughs> Anyways, William Girdler, uh, the beautiful man that he was, and I wish I could say is, but again, 1983, tragic, tragic. It's sad. I've only just heard of him, and he's taken away from me so soon. Well, I mean, even if you're not a big Grizzly fan, you, you gotta at least appreciate the kind of... Uh, sleaze is, is... Sleaze only describes half of it. There is a sleaze to the filmmaking here. 
You gotta dig Girdler. There, there's sleaze to the filmmaking in terms of, hey, we're ripping off this popular thing. There's sleaze to the filmmaking in that, hey, we're gonna attack a four-year-old kid and rip his leg off. Right. But there's, like, a wholesomeness to it, too. I mean, right down to this John Williams rip-off score at times. <laughs> well, like you said, Girdler keeps it classy. Yeah. No, I mean, this was really... And, it, I mean, it worked. I mean, I don't... It didn't yeah. work to like advance him level. into the careers of the Spielbergs and they and yeah. the John Carpenters of the world, but it, this was a hit. Mm-hmm. And I do think, I mean, Jaws is itself, and we're talking about Jaws like it's this. I mean, it, Jaws is a classic, but Jaws is it's a classic example of a B movie that's done by an A movie filmmaker, A level filmmaker, A level budget actors, right. good cast. You know, it's 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 like Jaws. It's the birds, and it's. <laughs> Halloween, I think, which Halloween, granted, that's not an A-movie budget, but that's A-movie execution. Jaws is psycho, and Grizzly is homicidal. <laughs> I was going to say Maniac Cop 3. Well, honestly, they all, <laughs> there's many movies they could be, but that's a specifically, like, <laughs> no, Jaws, Jaws is psycho, Grizzly is Gus Van Sant's psycho. <laughs> <laughs> they should have got Vince Vaughn to play the bear. So after when when they're bringing in the hunters and after the campsite has been attacked and we, again we don't see the bear. We get woman who gets like pulled up and she's like hanging up. There's blood on someone smeared ketchup on her face. Mm-hmm. There, there's a discussion about how this isn't normal bear behavior. The bear's eating his victims even though he's not. We're finding nearly full bodies every time. Right. <laughs> which is just a, a bizarre decision you know in terms of the editing or well you or know the... girdler kept it classy didn't want to show mangled bodies i guess well yeah i guess but but at the same time yeah the first thing we see up. is a, is yeah. an arm flying through the air very suburban sasquatch like <laughs> except we had more than one prop in this movie so that's a good sign <laughs> But sometime after this, so, so the hunters are around, and then, again, if you're thinking of, like, okay, what scene is this from Jaws? Oh, right, it's the scene where all those fishermen go out drunkenly trying, throwing dynamite into the ocean trying to take down the shark. Same thing right. here, no dynamite, but they do do something equally dumb, where there's, like, a three guys, I think they all have beards, they all feel like they They're should better. have beards if they don't, you know? Yeah. A bear comes up to them, and he's a little friendly black bear. Or, you know, it's black in color. I don't know if it's actually a black bear. Not a bear expert. Right. And it's a friendly bear. And they refer to it as a cub, even though it's not. It's it's just not a huge bear. Uh-huh. At least I don't think it's a cub. I mean, if, if first of all, it's, if it's a cub, you should run the hell away because bear mothers are incredibly violent. Right. And will protect. If William Girdler was the son of a bear and that bear was in that helicopter, it would not have crashed. Well, you know, you don't know that Girdler wasn't the son of a bear. That's I mean, technically can, true. Yeah, I mean, can, can deduction... You, you can deduct, but can you prove? Girdler does sound like a good name for a bear. I'll give you that. I know. So, <laughs> so does Alan Smithy, brother. though. That's true. <laughs> Alan, meet Alan the bear. I think I think Teddy could have been Girdler's brother. Okay, I'm I'm seeing it. Which is why he blows him up with a bazooka. Well, yeah. Again, in the Italian version of this film. uh, Or the Sean (laughs) S. Cunningham version of this film, perhaps. Right, of course. So one of my favorite scenes in the movie is these three bearded hunters are like, hey, oh, this isn't the bear we're looking for. This is a friendly cub. And then one of them's like, hey, we can use it as bait. Because they think, I I guess they think the killer bear is the father or mother Mm -hmm. of this thing. And so it's going to come looking for them. Uh, So they like tie it up and we get again the POV 
and it like it's like moving closer and closer to the face and then in one of my favorite like perfect comedic timing edit it just edits and it's back to christopher joy george and he's like now whose idea was it to use the bear as bait anyway <laughs> it's, it's like perfect comedic timing that that was a good part and that's the girdler touch really i mean you know mixing in humor when you don't expect it you wouldn't get that <laughs> whether kind or not of it's intentional you call girdler when you want something like that he's a fix-it guy <laughs> the girdler the girdler magic <laughs> he's like girdler's the wolf. got the magic touch yeah, the one with Pulp Fiction, yeah. Yeah, they like he shows up on someone else's set to be like, all right, what's the problem? Oh, you need some comedic timing? Okay, here we go. So sometime after this, we get our Indianapolis scene. And it's it's actually amazing that, of like, because a lot of the stuff that they, you take from Jaws, it's basic structural stuff. Like what you were talking about, any creature feature, you hold off the reveal of the creature for as long as possible. I mean, Chud, you you don't see a monster <laughs> until the last five seconds of that movie. Yeah, you know I mean, for instance. True. <laughs> and so any kind of creature feature, really, I mean, Invaders from Mars, like you don't see the 50s one. Or no, excuse me, I'm thinking of it came from beyond the space. You don't see yeah. a monster until like the last minute of that movie and the monster's terrible, but it's okay because the first 78 minutes were pretty good, you know? But in the 80s Invaders from Mars, you get to see that Krang ripoff guy. Yeah. That's Actually, right. I think it predates yeah. Krang, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. So we're talking Toby Hooper again, the yeah. uh, possibly influenced heavily by talking William Toby. Hurtler, That I, should be a spinoff podcast. Talking Toby. <laughs> Or I st- I always want to call him Tobe when I see the name. Yeah, I don't. That is the only instance of that Toby that I've ever seen. I don't like how it's spelled. <laughs> yeah, so, anyways, okay. So in the but of all the scenes that you rip that you would not expect to see in a Jaws ripoff, I think probably the biggest one is the Indianapolis scene because that's so specific to Jaws. Right. And it's so it doesn't provide a whole lot in terms of like story structure. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, technically speaking, you could remove that scene from Jaws and not a whole lot would have changed. You just would have lost a very, very good scene, arguably the best scene of the movie. But I mean, uh-huh. nothing, you know, n- nothing is hard to follow. Nothing, you know, changes in that sense. Right. But somehow we we still go for the Indianapolis scene. And supposedly this scene or this this dialogue, this little speech that Andrew Prine gives, according to IMDb, it's written by <laughs> Andrew Prine. So I don't know if he's just going complete improv <laughs> or if he actually sat down and wrote the scene. I like to think that, that the camera was just rolling and and- Andrew Prine had just seen Jaws the night before and he's like, oh, shoot, how do I make this into a bear story? <laughs> and it's some story about, like, is he there? Or there's there's a tribe of Native Americans and they get attacked by, like, a herd of bears, which yeah. I don't think bears have herds but whatever I don't again think so either <laughs> the scene's written by andrew prine it's not written by a bear expert but you don't know prine might be an expert he, that's true he could be i mean when you're around girdler enough you pick up a few things uh yeah and well i mean he's he's and he worked with charles b pierce who's a big falk monster expert like mm-hmm. you know maybe he's pulling from a couple different traditions here <laughs> he probably is Bottom line is I don't think this is an authentic Native American folktale that he's sharing. Well. Because the, the Native Americans get wiped out left and right from this herd of bears. Well, you know, but you never know. <laughs> this seems like a thing that would make more sense with, like, cave people and they're wiped out by, like, woolly mammoths. Yeah. Like, it, it doesn't seem like a bear story. is Or maybe, like, the prehistoric bears when people lived in caves. I'm like 90% sure Grizzly is a documentary. Well, that would make the documentary that I saw about the making of it a little bit weird, wouldn't it? Yeah, but that's kind of it's so meta, you know? That's the beauty of it. 
Is there a making of Lost in La Mancha? There should be. Because, <laughs> I mean, what's there to say about making a documentary? Like, you know, I don't want to see a making of what's the Altamont Rolling Stones movie? Oh, uh, uh, Gimme Shelter? Yeah, I don't want to see a making of Gimme Shelter. That's just going to be a snuff film. Oh, yeah, that's true. So after the, and, and again, in regards to the Indianapolis scene too, it's it really doesn't add a whole lot. Like we already know the bear is a huge threat, but, I, mm-hmm. I, but then again, I guess technically you could say that about Jaws. Like what does that, yeah. other than just being a great piss drunk performance by Robert Shaw, like it, it doesn't really add that much. So I don't know. So Girdler's doing his Spielberg thing. Andrew Prine is doing his Robert Shaw thing. And I will say of the three actors, we've got Christopher George playing Roy Scheider. Mm-hmm got andrew prine playing robert shaw and we've got richard jekyll playing richard dreyfus <laughs> of the three i think to me andrew prine is the least like his jaws actor and i mean that in a good way yeah he's not the quint character he's the quint character in the sense that he's got the vehicle he owns the vehicle that they use to track the bear mm-hmm. and he's got this indianapolis story and he's got guns. He likes shooting things. That's basically, those are the ways in which he's Quint. Everything else, he's much more of like a gentleman. He, well, and I guess he does make fun of the Richard Dreyfus character, too. That's true. He only does it like once, and then he's very sad about it later on when something happens, which I didn't think was warranted, given that he said like one joke, and it was, was not like, yeah. <laughs> like the abuse that he takes in Jaws. It's nothing like that. <laughs> Just trying to cover the bear attack scenes now because they're all unique and, and interesting. Incredible. So the first one, and this is where you see the the PG girdler sneaking into what seems like it's a three on a meat hook kind of scene, is the female park ranger, who happens to be very attractive, uh-huh. decides to take a shower in the waterfall. Oh, yeah, yeah. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're like, I've seen Jacko. I know how shower scenes work in movies. You but know, no, I've no, seen no. Jacko. I've uh, seen Psycho. Right. I've seen Abominable. I've seen... I actually haven't seen Abominable, but I understand there's a good quality shower scene in that film. <laughs> the horror anyways. workout it just opens with just a really long, drawn-out shower scene. <laughs> I didn't know that. I've never actually seen it. <laughs> I quickly the, saw her workout. Literally, the opening credits are over her in the shower. <laughs> <laughs> Up there with uh, the Puppet Master POV is quality opening Yeah, one of the sequences. best openers. <laughs> But no, she's in in this movie though. She's wearing yeah. like yeah, she like is a full that's bikini, that's right. That's the PG is she keeps yeah. her underwear on right. Yeah, we keep it very tourist trappy where we're not where we're getting this yes. kind of that's very true shower bath scene, but we're not going to see any nudity. And then the bear jumps from behind. <laughs> The bear grabs her and says, you know, why aren't you naked? This is a William Girdler horror (laughs) exploitation movie. What are you doing? But he grabs her. And this is the most complete bear suit we've gotten so far. And it's, you know, it's obscured by the waterfall. I I think it looks good. Yeah. No, I mean, this is probably the best it looks because it's, it's just an arm. And, and and when it's just an arm, like it looks like a bear suit arm, but it doesn't look like someone on stilts in a bear costume, I guess, which is yeah. you know the minute ball on top of Andre the Giant kind of thing. Exactly. But she's out. She's down for the count. And then uh, let's see, what are the other attacks? Oh, there's that one hunter who gets stalked by the bear, and this is the, this is the first time we really see the real bear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we see the actual bear, and this is the scene I mentioned earlier where we we get like close-ups of the bear walking because they're not trying to get you to compare it to anything in the background for scale because the bear isn't actually that big. I think according to Wikipedia, Ted, Teddy was like seven feet tall or something, yeah. which is like a normal bear height. 
you know, that's Shaq height. That's yeah. Shaq height. It's not Shaq on top of Andre the Giant height. No, it's just Shaq. Well, Shaq was Shaq was seven two technically, but you know, who, it's close who's enough. who's to yeah, you know, Rudy Gobert. We'll go with that. Okay. So this bear. He's he's walking around. He's not moving that fast, but he starts chasing this hunter, and the hunter just gets away. It's kind of the, this again the girdler touch. You just you, you don't see this coming. Mm-hmm. This is the first time we see someone come across the bear and get away. Well, I guess technically the bear attacked a campsite of forty five people and only killed one, but you know what yeah. I mean. <laughs> That's that girdler touch. And he gets away by jumping in the river or the stream or whatever. Yeah. Probably the same one where that woman was killed. So obviously the bear doesn't have a problem with water. I'm just pointing that out. Right. It's not like Jason in Freddy vs. Jason. But he like fell down like a, like a hill. No, of. you're right. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, and and I mean, the stream is moving fast. Yeah, the bear just didn't want to jump into the river. <laughs> Animals tend to, this is probably true of bears, it's certainly true of reptiles, they don't exert themselves unless they really need to because they're yeah. animals they don't have to do anything they just, they just sit around and then oh hey i need to eat let me go hunt this thing and then that's it and you know he doesn't really need to eat he's got several bodies buried throughout it's like walking through vietnam where there's just bodies buried under the ground <laughs> everywhere so eventually we get to the scene where i think the movie loses a lot of the goodwill that it's been building up and that is the scene where the four-year-old kid gets attacked Right. <laughs> I think there's a fine line. First of all, the, the kid doesn't die. Right. Although it's almost more depressing because his mother does die. And there's a line like the journalist, or maybe it's Joan McCall, asks, wait, is the kid alive? And Christopher George is like, well, a part of him is. And I'm like, holy shit, that's yeah. bleak. Yeah, I agree. This is a four-year-old we're talking about. <laughs> like, but, but just I think like they got to do the Jaws thing. That's the thing, is that technically Jaws is the second kill. The Kintner, Kintner kid? Yeah. He's he's a kid and he gets killed. That's what makes but it I think real. In that well, yes, cause. exactly. No, and that's that's an effective moment for Rob Schneider because he's there. <laughs> Rob Schneider is there <laughs> because he's there and sees it, and he's at that point he's the only one that knows there's a shark there. A lot of people don't know that Jaws was made by Happy Madison. Yes, <laughs> it explains the Terry Bradshaw cameo. <laughs> exactly, the height of his Super Bowl uh, winning <laughs> fame, and <laughs> but anyways. It, no, but it's it's a great, it's a character moment for him, and yeah. it comes back later when the boys, they say mother, but she looks like grandmother when she slaps him in the face and says, like, you knew about all this. Mm-hmm. He realizes that, okay, I mean, I've tried, but I, overall what I've done is still kind of in action, and I need to do something, and then ultimately it's when his kid is almost killed that that's when they actually hire Quint. And so, yes, right. a kid does die in Jaws. The difference of Jaws and this you know, quality aside, is that's a 12-year-old, this is a, like a 4-year-old. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I mean, there is a difference there. And and we do have a line drawn, whether it's a subconscious line, but we don't mind seeing teenagers die. We have entire right. genres of that with, of you know, Halloween, all that stuff. Teenagers are cool to die. Like, it's cool. It's fine. No one cares. We don't like dogs dying, even though right. a dog dies in Halloween and everyone loves that movie. Dog dies in, like, every Halloween film. That's <laughs> I think Michael you're right. I never even thought about people. that. He, he he kills so many dogs. He hates dogs. Uh, also, no no spoilers, but I'll say that there that alligator has a lot in common with grizzly and jaws in, in this sense. Oh, <laughs> but is now is alligator an Italian movie? No. Okay, I was picturing it being one for. I mean, the great alligator is, but that one yeah, is not a great movie. That sucks. No, it's not. Uh, but I did confuse the, those two movies initially as well. Yeah, because I think the great alligator has been titled as alligator or alligators yes, at exactly. times. You know, 
even though that's not an alligator in that movie it's a crocodile right isn't it but i think so i believe it but is. I- italian movie they're like we don't give a shit we you know we we have 45 titles to every movie we don't care exactly but alligator is worth your time okay i believe you but anyways <laughs> in in regards to when it's okay to kill a kid you know, like a child right there's we again we have this line drawn teenagers it's okay we don't like seeing pets like cute animals die but there's a line when like every now and then it's okay to kill a kid and it's okay if you're trying to do pull off like a real dramatic moment in like a powerful it doesn't even have to be a drama but like jaws jaws is a good example like 12 year old kid it means a lot in that moment it means even more later on you know with this character for the movie in general it's, it raises the stakes mm-hmm. I, you can also get away with it in like a cheapo exploitation movie like like if you didn't think children would die in beware children at play like oh my i'm sorry watch the ending scene i mean it's brilliant i mean it's yeah. zombie fighting shark levels of you know your mind's blown because because that's that type of exploitation where that's okay and right. this is where girdler kind of straddling the line between <laughs> Three on a meat hook exploitation where you would kill a kid and quality Hollywood filmmaking where you might kill a kid, but you're going to have the kid be a little bit older and it's going to be done better. It's where this is where this kind of, you know, a girdler divided against himself cannot stand. This is where this scene, this movie (laughs) falls apart at least a bit for me. And it also hurts that when we meet this kid, he's playing with like a bunny. It's like the cutest thing ever. (laughs) it's like i don't want to see this kid get killed it's like the opening scene of um commando when arnold is with his daughter and they're just hanging out and they're like feeding a a a cute little deer (laughs) that's like what's going on here yeah you're right i mean i can't argue that it's you know but it it raised the stakes that's all girdler needs i mean yeah i that's what they're going for clearly but at the same time what what they do after this isn't anything different. Like and I'm talking about the characters. What they do after this no isn't particularly different than what they do before. Yeah, but it's it puts <laughs> it in in the audience's mind of like, man, they need to kill this freaking bear. There's an audience. Well, if they're there, <laughs> there were thirty nine million thirty nine yeah, million they, they, dollars. They were there. Well, that was just Girdler. <laughs> Girdler bought <laughs> bought twenty five million tickets. He sold out the theater. <laughs> Well, he brought his cubs. He brought into- Teddy in there to come see his feature role. So anyways, back to the movie. Again, going back to, like, the characters haven't really changed. Scott, the Richard Jekyll character, is back out in the woods doing his thing. He's kind of doing his solo thing. He's he's getting in the shark cage, as it were. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. He's doing this thing that this Quint character told him not to do mm-hmm. constantly because Quint knows how to take, you know, just just a little coincident coincidentally yeah and then quint and christopher george are up in the helicopter scouting it out and they eventually make like radio like walkie-talkie contact with uh richard dreyfus and he's got a plan actually i don't think he has a plan i was gonna say the the other two have a plan actually they don't start in the helicopter they start on foot they've got a deer carcass and they're using that to lure the bear out they eventually find the bear and chase it right because when you have long-range weapons that you're aiming to kill someone with, I think you have to get really up close, right? I assume so. And this is where we get very, very John Williams. Like, to the point of, like, I think we're in reanimator score territory here. This is 
So it's, it, I mean, it's not like the Jaws theme, but it's that kind of it's that close. heroic music that plays when when they're on the ship. It's that. Dun, dun, I, I think the Reanimator one is maybe a bit, <laughs> a bit. Well, more. yeah, Reanimator is literally it, it's a cover. I mean, <laughs> it's awesome though. It's like it's like the Weezer a Toto Africa song. It's like <laughs> it's it's the original but worse. I don't know. I think it's pretty good though, with the exception of. Africa was sucked to begin with, and Bernard well, Herrmann's psycho score is an all-timer. We're going to have to disagree on both those. Well, no, no, not well, on both those. We're going to have to disagree <laughs> on dare. the Toto one. Bernard Herrmann, come on. I like Africa. I'll defend it. How embarrassing. Right now, I'll take the embarrassment. That's true. Right. And okay. I like the reanimator. I mean, you just watch Vice Academy. I mean, and I love <laughs> you're used to embarrassment. And I like the reanimator theme. That's all I have to no, say. No, I mean, I do, I do too, but I like the... I mean, it's because I like this other well, theme. Yeah. But it's a crazy rendition of it, though, even still. it. I mean, it sounds like, and we'll talk about this with the Vice Academy music score, I'm sure. I, I'm not a musician. You're a musician. Mm-hmm. But it sounds like, you know, like how those Casio keyboards, they have like the settings to change to like have like different kind of instrument sounds or whatever. You, you yeah. know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. It sounds like the score is played through that, like just on a different <laughs> setting. You know what I mean? It sounds very, very cheap, but like, yeah, I mean, well, it's good yeah. music, but it's done cheaply. That's what you got to love about Richard Band, though, in general. Well, yeah. And that's the entire score of Vice Academy is, is very much like, yeah, oh, agree. they went with like video game music. All right. So they chase the bear and then they get tired, but the bear is not tired. The bear, well, they, I think they stop because they're like, oh, he's tired and he'll have to stop. He won't be hunting now, but he actually goes, he circles back around. Mm-hmm. and he's gone under the boat i mean he's gone and gotten the deer carcass right and he's dragged off the deer carcass somewhere richard jekyll finds the half-eaten deer carcass and throws it on his he's, he's on a horse for some reason he wasn't on a horse before i mean he was like when he was outside but like he didn't have a he was just living with deer right he was like living <laughs> where did he get a horse the who was taking care of the horse for the past several weeks when the he was living horse with the deer? was taking care of itself <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, if you're a rich white dude, and I'm not saying he's rich, but, like, I, I knew a lot of people I went to school with who's like, oh, yeah, I, my family owns a horse, but, like, <laughs> right. it's several miles away from them, and they see it, you know, a couple times a month. Yeah, who knows with this? Like, when Tony owns Pai oh my, it's kind of like that. Yeah, I don't really know. Maybe if you're a nature con- conserv- what, what is the word? Conservationist? Conservationalist? I don't know. Maybe. Which I think that I think that's all the reason not to own an animal, personally. Yeah, but I think we've got some conflicting. Well, but then also again. you you remember that cop earlier or the the ranger earlier was on a horse. Maybe that. I mean, right. that's I guess how you would get around in an. So you, so you're saying he stole the horse from from, maybe the, he did. from the park? <laughs> maybe I mean he he does they just kind of say like oh where is he oh he's out there like. <laughs> he does have like kind of an escape there's an escape quality in him going away i mean i just assume that's how you would get around in a national park if you were a, a ranger if you don't have access to a hel- well yeah yeah but he's not a ranger he's just a guy well yeah he's just a guy but he you know he's always there yeah, he might have just stole it i guess he's he's part part scientist part hippie part horse thief maybe part richard dreyfus and all part richard, richard dreyfus <laughs> Yeah, Bert Academy Award winner. He's like, but I'm all jankle, baby. <laughs> He's got the deer carcass, or half of it, anyways. And he gets attacked. He gets a nice little, nice good old swing to the horse's head, and we get a little Godfather homage. Right. As the horse's head is just 
said flying <laughs> which that might be the best single that's up there with i mean it's probably better than the arm because it's a little sillier because it's a horse's head <laughs> that part is awesome <laughs> it's really great again you're getting those girdler exploitation moments sprinkled in this yeah. pg rated film that made 39 million dollars back when 39 million dollars could have paid for at least one college tuition wow a harsh critique so he's down he's he's um the, the horse is dead obviously and then the bear buries richard jekyll you think he's dead at first right but then richard jekyll wakes up in like the next scene and he sees that he's like partially buried and mm-hmm. he's like oh that was weird and he's as he's getting up he just gets killed <laughs> yeah that was weird <laughs> that was well, talk about anticlimactic what's the point of that like why <laughs> bury him and then just kill him five seconds later yeah like, what are they <laughs> I didn't get that. <laughs> it seems like they're setting up for like him to appear in right. the climax when the helicopter <laughs> lands. Just killed him but anyway. then they realize they already filmed that and he wasn't there, so they had to kill him in reshoots or something. They, Except they really didn't even need to have that because, I mean, he gets buried. He might as well be dead. We can just kind of assume he died. Yeah, I have absolutely it's, no idea what the logic is. It's very silly. <laughs> At any rate. The other two discover Richard Jekyll's body, and this is where Andrew Prine is sad over the one joke he made about him, and he's like, oh, I feel really bad about that now. <laughs> I shouldn't have made that one joke. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it's maybe it's more than one, but it's it's fewer than five. I'll yeah, put it that way. It's, it's and none enough. of them are particularly harsh. Yeah. <laughs> he might call him a hippie at one point or something. I don't know. I, I don't shouldn't have called him were. that. He wasn't yeah. a hippie after all. <laughs> he wasn't a hippie. Look at this gun that he was toting. <laughs> I didn't know. Yeah, but anyways, so they get back in the helicopter, and they find the bear, and he's in this clearing, and so they land the helicopter, but then the bear attacks. Right. And the two of them get separated. Andrew Prine, Don, I think was his name, mm-hmm. gets, he's far away from the helicopter for some reason, and he's got his gun, and he's shooting the bear. The bear's on two legs, because, you know, it's a trained bear, and they get it to do that. Right. And he's shooting it, and he's shooting it, and he's shooting it, but he's out of ammo, so he holds up his rifle to you know swing it here and there uh-huh. and uh meanwhile <laughs> christopher george is just taking his sweet ass time uh-huh. he's like trying to get a seatbelt off he's, he's realizing he forgot his wallet in the helicopter so he has to go back and get that before getting out <laughs> he is taking his <laughs> damn time and as far as i'm concerned andrew prine's blood is on his hands because he does have a gun he picks up the gun eventually but this is around the time when the bear is hugging him to death right uh, andrew prine t- hugging andrew prine to death i think i might have just said tugging andrew prine to death which that's a di- that has a whole different meaning again that's a black emmanuel sequel waiting to happen yeah. right there but <laughs> so, so then uh christopher george drops his gun when he's out of ammo and he fishes out the grenade launcher which was that set up i don't think it was i don't remember i don't the, think it was of it beforehand uh, did he assume because he was a vietnam vet Maybe. like oh he's probably got his old yeah. grenade launcher still like he's probably got one on him but he finds it and he blows up the bear. Yes. And it's fantastic. It's it's a really crazy moment because of how hard the score is going. And then as soon as the oh, explosion yeah, yeah. happens, it's just dead silence for a minute. <laughs> Again, the girdler touch. He, yeah. He uh, gives you, um, it's sometimes an, an inappropriate touch, but he gives you something you're not expecting. It's a little release. <laughs> The girdler <laughs> release. Tugging Andrew Bryant to guess. Yeah. To death. With, with the girdler release. Yeah, the girdler release. <laughs> and then the movie ends pretty much like Jaws, except there's only one person alive. Yeah. 
and it ends. I guess it ends in a bit sadder of a note. But I mean, that's that's the end of the movie. He just kind of walks off. Yep. And he's probably like, you know, I know I'm a park ranger, but I'm in this giant park. I don't know how to fly this helicopter. I'm without my <laughs> horse. I'm gonna die here. That's probably what he's thinking. <laughs> He's going to start living off of eating a half-dead, or not half-dead, but a half-a-deer carcass. He's just going to eat that raw. Well, that's the sequel waiting to happen. <laughs> he's, he's going to feast on Charlie Sheen's flesh. <laughs> well, no, they should do a grizzly one and a half. Oh, they go the Lion King route. Exactly. <laughs> and have him just surviving off the land, like kind of a Beastmaster movie with him and just maybe a different mm. bear, but he actually befriends it. So a Gentle Ben crossover. Exactly. Finally. That's what everyone wants. Can we get both Tanya Roberts and Clint Howard in this? Because that's the team up that America's been wanting to see. I mean, technically we can't now because Tanya Roberts. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say. But can we get a Tanya Roberts impersonator, perhaps, with Clint Howard? I would love that. Yes. <laughs> the Tanya Roberts impersonator. Who better to impersonate than Tanya Roberts? Yeah, maybe um Allison Duty. I don't know. <laughs> the other Bond girl from that era of forgettable bond movies who else we got oh, uh, gr- oh no grace jones yeah that's true grace jones is in a view to a kid is she alive yeah she is i said that uh, not 100 percent confidently but i th- I think she is she's more alive than girdler or christopher george for that matter. yeah or tanya roberts yeah or tanya roberts well tanya roberts did die twice did you catch that yeah i, I, oh, I caught that <laughs> trust yeah, me that was very very strange it was hard not to catch that <laughs> That was really, really... She's more dead than anybody ever. <laughs> it, yeah, that was really... That was a shocking week. <laughs> it was like a couple days in a row. If, if, you're, if you're Tanya Roberts' family, and yeah. the rumors started coming out that like, oh, Tanya Roberts died, even though she wasn't actually dead, but was very clearly in critical condition yeah. about to die, would you bother correcting anyone? Because that's just going to lead to an awkward news story a day or two later, you know? Well, but it wasn't like they had anything to do with it. it was like her boyfriend or something just said that okay i mean i i thought family i thought it was like somebody or he's close no, it was like, i mean i guess boyfriend would be close it, i i think what happened was a doctor said like she's not gonna live or something like that and he went and just said she's dead <laughs> like <laughs> like a crazy person <laughs> it's like assumed that she was dead and told everybody <laughs> and then like a week later not even a week later like two days later it was like oh yeah no she's dead actually this time yeah yeah it, i thought it was like a day or two it was, it was just the most bizarre back and forth <laughs> yeah <laughs> it was really weird <laughs> so feck Yes. What do you think of Grizzly overall? Uh, you know, I wasn't super enthralled when I was watching it, but right. you know, it had some good moments. You know, any horse decapitation is quality. That's great. I love the arm scene. You know, obviously, I'm a huge reader. <laughs> which which arm? The arm being severed or the bear yes. arms that we get both. Here and there? Honestly, I like. Yeah, the, exactly. But the arm being severed was clearly uh, one of the great scenes from this movie. Mm-hmm. I'm a huge Richard Jekyll fan, so I, uh, you know, loved that. I actually, I did check to see if Andrew Prine was alive, and he... as of when we're recording this, he is. I did not check on Richard Jekyll. He may or may not be out there, so I don't know. <laughs> well, here's hoping. If you're still out there, Jekyll, give us a call. <laughs> oh, you know what? He has the Tanya Roberts death in this movie. That's true. <laughs> he's killed, he's buried, then he comes back just that's, to die again. That's so true. That's sadly true. <laughs> Wow. There needs to be like a meme 
with Tony Roberts' face <laughs> over him on oh, that, no. that scene. I know, I know. I'm Finally, sorry. a meme for everybody. <laughs> Finally. A meme everyone will get. <laughs> the, the three people out there who are familiar <laughs> enough with both Tony Roberts' death. Girdlers. Or the circumstances surrounding grave. it. And Richard Jekyll's performance in Grizzly. Well, who knows? Girdler might not be dead. He might just be in the ground, just waiting to come back. You never know. So I got to say, my personal opinions on Grizzly, this is not the funny bad movie that I remember it being. No. It's too ambitious a movie to be, like, awful. I mean, if nothing else, they used a real bear. Yeah, that's true. The the skill slash talent slash... It's no, I'm not even going to say recklessness because they, I, again, having watched that featurette, mm-hmm. they had like electrified fences around. They knew what they were doing with this bear. This is not an Italian film yeah. where someone in zombie makeup fights a shark. This is not that. They if knew what they way. were doing. So, so I mean, there's, there's a genuine amount of like skill, talent, care. And sometimes with movies like this, like you wonder which came first. Did they know someone who had a bear <laughs> or did they want to make a movie about a bear? In this case... I don't truly know because I know what came first is someone saw Jaws and wanted to rip it off and quickly. Yeah. And then I don't know if they looked up in their phone book, you know, animal owners and they got to a bear. You know, they could have easily gone tiger, but bear was just, you know, alphabetically it's first. Yeah, it makes sense. But I I appreciate the the use of a real bear. Mm -hmm. I appreciate some of the attack scenes. And I do think it's an interesting kind of blend of exploitation and kind of mainstream filmmaking where sometimes they kind of blend in sort of an interesting way where like a movie that's not going to show any nudity not going to have a lot of swearing yeah and it's going to have wholesome music at the opening credits and and you know the john williams kind of score here and there is also is also going to show a four-year-old kid get his leg ripped off like that combination's kind of interesting to me. Yeah, and, and I, I would appreciate agree. that. That's really what I get out of Grizzly. Like overall, like it's still maybe it's nostalgia at this point, but I, I still enjoy it a lot. Yeah, it, it was interesting. I I don't watch a lot of like fully outdoor animal horror movies, honestly. So, okay, you know I enjoyed it though. You ever seen Stanley? It's um, it's like a Willard ripoff, but with snakes. <laughs> I've never seen Willard still. Well, it's like the original Willard. Either version. Either <laughs> it's like version. a ripoff of that, but with snakes, and it's all outdoors. Oh, it did, now this is different than... S- right? Yes, it is. There's a movie that's just five or six S's strung <laughs> yeah, together, and it's that. a snake movie? It's not that. <laughs> okay. This is a different snake Because movie. that is a movie. <laughs> I know. I, well, I'm aware of that one, too. <laughs> I haven't seen it. Okay, Stanley. What's a scarier is the snake name named Stanley? A, I think the snake is named Stanley, yes. <laughs> so it's like Ben. Yeah, it's it's kind of like Ben. Yeah, but except there is a character in it who's like Willard. Like it, there's a main guy. Okay. Who like has <laughs> snakes at his beck and call. <laughs> just I was just thinking about this earlier. When I go to a zoo. And and this this is part of why I enjoy grizzly. Bears are some of the few animals that I will appreciate seeing at a zoo, even if they're doing absolutely nothing. Yeah. You know, there's there's kind of a, a hierarchy or like a tiers of, of zoo creatures, zoo animals. Mm-hmm. And some, it's like, they're only fun to see if they're doing something. Yes. And I think even there's some animals that, you know, they're doing something so often that you kind of forget about that. And you just say like, oh, I always love spider monkeys. There's always so much fun. But yeah. like, really, if, if you go to a zoo and spider monkeys are just like sitting down 
you know, combing their hair or something. Like, that'd be the most boring thing ever. I don't know. Spider monkey combing its hair is kind of cool. Well, combing its hair, sure. Spider monkey drinking, well, drinking coffee is going to get them, you know, jumping up and down. But (laughs) if you go to the zoo and see a spider monkey just sitting down, you know, just grooming another spider monkey for girdlers or whatever in their their fur. (laughs) Yeah. It's going to not be exciting because there's nothing that awesome inherently about a spider monkey. What makes them awesome is what they do, how they swing around and stuff. Yeah. And bear, bears to me are really the, um, I don't need to see a bear doing something. I, they're such impressive creatures to look at, just how big they are, how fluffy, how much you'll want to hug them. Uh-huh. <laughs> Even though they can rip someone's arm off or a child's leg or a horse's or head. Or a horse's head, even though they have that capability. Even though they bury their half-dead prey and only to eat it five <laughs> seconds later. Even after what they did to Richard... Uh, Gink, what was his yeah, name? Yeah, well, that's, that's <laughs> Richard Dreyfus. forgot his name already. <laughs> but you're a big fan of this. A huge, huge fan of R- Richard Jekyll? Don't get me wrong. If, you, if they're doing something when you're at the zoo... Awesome. Even better. There's yeah. one time I went to a zoo and a Kodiak bear was standing on its two legs for like a good 30 seconds, just kind of like looking at us. And it was the coolest thing ever, which also <laughs> reminds me, come to think of it, a huge missed opportunity to not use the helicopter propellers, right? The bear is standing yeah, on two legs right next so. to the helicopter. You would think that they would do that at some point. I mean, it, it made perfect they sense. They blew it up, so I'm not going to complain too much yeah. because we got a grenade launcher or whatever. But, like, y- y- we're, we're almost setting up for that with, with how close it is to the helicopter, how it's standing on two legs. Uh-huh. Yeah, you would, you would, <laughs> Maybe you that's would what they do in the Italian movie. <laughs> Anyways, where we, the reason I brought that up is, to me, snakes are that. And I understand a lot of people, snakes are boring at a zoo because they don't move. They just sit there, but I just, I think they're just such neat animals. So it sounds like I'm going to love Stanley. Yeah, well, Stanley might be your movie. <laughs> <laughs> does the snake have um, cameo appearances in the Marvel films, too? What, are you saying Ben does? <laughs> Wait, I th- no, Stanley. Stan Lee. Oh, I see what you're saying. I thought you were alluding that the rat in, like, Endgame or something <laughs> was Ben. I do think that Ben is the rat that lets Paul Rudd out of the quantum realm in Endgame. Oh, I don't remember that movie. I saw it. I, I don't remember a rat. I don't know what the quantum realm is. I'm sorry. I don't really know what it is either, but I Is, I is that the, the thing that Ziggy the computer controls and Al is a hologram for? And I don't even know. What, I don't know what that is. Quantum Leap. Quantum Leap. Oh, I see. I see. I see. I see. Scott Bakula. I never, I never ended up watching Quantum Leap. It, it debuted, I believe, the same year as our next feature film. What year Heck, is that? Why don't you take us away with Vice Academy in 1989? Well, first of all, you know, huge fans of cinema in general will be happy to know that this is a Rick Sloan film. People the who director love Hobgoblins, Blood Theater, The Visitants, I think, is a movie by him. <laughs> the what? I think the he made Visitants? a movie called The Visitants. Uh, I think it's like a... He's just... <laughs> just call him Merriam-Webster? He's just making up words? Yeah, it's Visitant. I looked it up. It's a movie. The cover of it... I haven't seen it, but the cover of it has a like a jukebox flying out of the sky. <laughs> okay. It looks kind of awesome. Anyway. I, I can't even guess what the movie would be about with that title. I don't either. Well, cover. look, I'll tell you what. I saw Blood Theater, and I can't guess what that movie's about. Okay. So, <laughs> Rick Sloan is <laughs> not the most coherent director in the world. <laughs> Uh, he's the poor man's david dakota i've always thought of 
Yeah, but then, but Rick Sloan doesn't have the the catalog. Like David Dakota has, like, <laughs> he's made four thousand movies. He's made like four thousand movies, and if you watch just like a random one in the middle, it's gonna be just like padded out. Like it's just oh yeah, it, it's no, quote, unquote, Dakota, a movie. <laughs> have you ever seen Dakota like a, gave up at a certain? I agree. Point. I mean, have you ever seen a thirteen thirteen? Or heard of those? I've never seen any of the 1313s. I know what they are. I know they're all shot in his house. Yes. I watched With, with his stupid car couch or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, his, like, I, mini Cooper couch. <laughs> that's cool, though. But Yeah, I, but it's in this every movie now. No, I know. I watched the first one. No, I don't know if it was the first one. I watched one of them, though. And the first... It, it starts with a guy just sleeping. <laughs> Why like, are they even called 1313? I don't know. I have no Is idea. Is it a Munsters thing? It starts with this guy having a nightmare. Like, you see him sleeping, and he's, like, having a bad nightmare. And then you see his nightmare, and it's just him walking around David Dakota's house in his underwear. <laughs> and I was, this, Yeah, I was going to say, there's no shirt. I guarantee that. No. He's in, just in his tidy whities And he walks into, like, every single room really slowly. And it just becomes so funny to watch it because it goes on way longer than you think it's going to go. It goes on for 20 minutes straight before anything happens. <laughs> Not a single word it's, of dialogue. It sounds like an Antonioni film. Yeah, it sounds it, like a uh, blow up. <laughs> it's exactly like it's D- Dakota's blow up. Anyway, so this is Rick Sloan. But I look, I like Hobgoblins. I don't. I cannot. I love Hobgoblins. I'm a big fan. Hobgo- I mean, here's the thing. I mean, I know you're big into rubber puppet monsters. Little yes. rubber puppet I monsters. I love Ghoulies. I you're favorite. a Ghoulies guy. It's the best. I have a Ghoulies 2 poster hanging over me right now. It's the biggest one okay. I can buy. <laughs> I have a Bob Dylan poster, and of course he did the score for Ghoulies 3, Ghoulies Go to College. <laughs> yeah, Bob Dylan famously did the score for Ghoulies 3. <laughs> You know, he didn't do a lot of movie scores. It was Pat Garrett and Bill the Kid and Ghoulies 3. These Ghoulies, they're pulling some pranks. We got Kane Hutter falling in a mop. Oh, my God. I forgot about that. That's a great cameo. I don't even know if it's a cameo because I don't know how famous he was at that point. I mean, he had been Jason at that point. He was, at the very least, an extra. (laughs) A welcomed extra. (laughs) A featured extra. (laughs) That's but also yeah, Matthew no, I, Lillard's first movie. Matthew Lillard, everyone's favorite Twin Peaks: The Return actor. I loved him in that. He, I did too. I'm, I'm not. I'm barely half joking when I say that he is. I liked everyone in, in The Return. I, I just like Lillard in general. No, what, where was I going with it? Oh no, I was just saying. I'm sorry. You're wrong. Hobgoblin sucks. I'm not no, a big I'm not rubber wrong. puppet monster movie <laughs> fan. But I think even compared to the big three, among the big four, well, yeah, the Hobgoblins is the worst. Um, I'm saying there should be a big three. I can't say that you're wrong, so I won't. <laughs> no, no, you really can't. I think. <laughs> well, I was never crazy about the Critters movies, but recently I rewatched them and I liked them a lot more. So I can't really make the. <laughs> I can't make I've the case. Se- I've seen. I've seen the first two Critters movies, and they're real movies. <laughs> they are. You but know, Hot Goblins is not. That doesn't a real factor movie. into whether I'm going to think it's better. No, or not. I understand that. I understand. <laughs> I'm just saying they're they're approaching. The, I don't think they're as good as Gremlins, but they're kind of approaching that. Like, okay, this is a real Hollywood motion picture. Billy Zane's in it. Leo's in Critters Ooh. Four, which is probably more in the Ghoulies yeah. Three realm in terms of quality. I haven't seen it. Yeah, I mean, I, I like you know, obviously Ghoulies is my favorite. I, I would prefer it even to Gremlins, but um, 
in this, yeah, so we got Rick Sloan here from Hobgoblins. Hobgoblins, as you said, is one of the best movies ever made. You're right, I said that. We're going to get into Vice Guy. So that's why I wanted to watch these, not because I thought they were going to be good or anything, but just because I saw that he made, <laughs> of like, course. six of them. <laughs> well, yeah, no, I, I, I do think the Vice Academy films, forgotten though they are, yeah. and again, three of them on Blu-ray somehow. I mean, this is the age where Manos, The Hands of Fate is on Blu-ray, so, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Dr. Butcher MD. <laughs> like anything anything can be on Blu-ray. Not everything is, but anything can be. Yeah, very true. But it, what I was saying is, like, this is, a, I don't want to say important, but the Vice Academy movies are kind of an interesting or exciting, intriguing, perhaps, mm-hmm. chapter in the compendium, in you know, in the five-part volume on cult schlock movies, right? For, yeah. for a number of reasons. You've got a lot of key players. You've got Rick Sloan. You've got Linnea Quigley, who's like the queen of this kind of thing. Uh-huh. You've got your, you know, this is an important thing, but the actor or actress with a history or perhaps a an ongoing career in adult films. <laughs> you say Ginger Lynn. Ginger Lynn, or I mean, the Tracy Lords, even though there's a bit more of a criminal element to that well, one. Yeah. And I guess technically this means Rocky fits in there in the Rambo movies. <laughs> so I don't know. That's <laughs> true. <laughs> but so okay so maybe that's not as essential but you get your ginger lynn you get your elizabeth caton in um the virtual encounters right another great movie <laughs> <laughs> yeah but but and then and then also you get the added bonus of elizabeth caton being involved in some of the sequels she's yeah. actually in more movies in this series than i'm Linnea excited is. i'm excited to watch the sequels yeah i i never realized how awful a comedic actress elizabeth caden is until i saw vice academy 3 it's all i can like, say she is shockingly bad <laughs> all i can say is just going into this movie i've seen hobgoblins i've seen blood theater i've seen vice academy now this is his most coherent movie of the three well, I've I've seen all six. <laughs> I'm embarrassed to even finish the sentence, but I have seen all six Vice Academy movies, uh-huh. and I have seen Hobgoblins. Yeah, all six are better than Hobgoblins. I will say that it's going to be tough. I mean, Hobgoblins. I think Hobgoblins better than Vice Academy personally, but I wouldn't say that it's more coherent. It, yeah, well, it depends on what you value. I mean, if if you like your rubber puppet monsters and you like your extended, it's not even that. 10-minute-long scenes of yeah. where a person's imagining that he's a rock star. <laughs> well, that scene's awesome. <laughs> versus if you like your kick to the nuts being the yeah, I mean, reincorporation thing that saves the day in the end of this movie. That's I mean, it's classic really a, Sloan which, right there. But let me get into the rundown here. So we open with the drug deal with some really awesome acting <laughs> from these two drug dealers who are... I, I remember one of them says, like, uh, yeah, no one followed me here, babe. And then the other one says, don't call me babe. You know, I, I don't like being called that. And then the other one says, oh, yes, I do recall you saying that. <laughs> so uh, Real slice of life picture right off the bat. <laughs> yeah, great, great acting. So then Ginger Lynn shows up as Holly, who uh, busts them in their drug deal. And this is kind of introduces us to the, the Vice Academy, the titular. Mm-hmm. There's, a, there's like an arrest Acad- quota. Yeah, this, well, yeah, I was going to mention that in a second. That is the weirdest or the maybe the funniest thing about this movie to me the fact that there's like you have to make 10 arrests or you can't graduate it's just Which, one of the best all, if like, they're nonsense they're cadets things. do they even have the legal authority to make arrests i don't think they do but no it know. doesn't make any sense <laughs> but 
You know, I thought that's it was the a Rick really Sloan funny idea. touch. Yeah, exactly. That's, that that is. The we Rick had the Sloan girdler touch. We're experiencing <laughs> the a Sloan, different, but still in a the Sloan touch. slime. <laughs> All right, so we're then introduced to Miss Devonshire, I think her name was. Oh God, yeah. Uh, where we learn Holly's the daughter of the police chief. So that was how she was yes. able to make that bust. And this comes up a few times. It's you know. Yeah, because they because he feeds her all the good intel. Yeah, because like a little bit later, then she has to like do the lineup, and he tells her which one is the, <laughs> the actual person, and then they just run away, like they just get away. <laughs> <laughs> that that was really the most shocking scene. I will say this, and this will be a common complaint moving forward for me with Vice Academy me is that there are a shocking amount of scenes where they had an idea of what needed to happen in the scene yeah and they seem to just go with it there's no blocking there's no, <laughs> no, no it's no. just like things happen well it just reminds me of that this scene. is a complete and utter lack of creativity <laughs> in how things happen it just reminds me of that scene in hobgoblins where someone's driving and you can just see someone's hand pushing the car back and forth so it looks like it's moving. <laughs> I don't know if you know. I don't remember that, but okay. <laughs> Class, uh, that's the Sloan slime. Yeah, so then we meet, their names are Dee Dee, Shawnee, and Dwayne, who, by the way, is the only male in this class. Yes, I, I, w- I was waiting for them to draw attention to that. No, they well, never well, do. They do draw attention to it when they kick him in the nuts several times. Yeah, but thousand that's times. about it. <laughs> But they yeah, you never mention there'd be it. like a joke about how this is like an no. academy for females and he's there because he's doing like his Ted Raimi thing in Dr. Alien where he's there because he wants to like shower with the girls or something. Wait, Ted Raimi's in Dr. Alien? I mean, he looks just like Ted Raimi. Oh, okay, best friend I see what you're saying. <laughs> I was like, I don't remember that. He he does look like him. I, I do like Dr. Alien a lot. I do too. We we featured that in our... It's a great one. It was our From Russia with Love and our Dr. Alien episode. Another one with Linnea Quigley in it for like two scenes. And Ginger Lynn. Yep, that's so true. Ginger Lynn is one of the three dream girls. I don't know who the third one is. Just someone they got off the street, I guess. I don't know. We could talk about our favorite Linnea cameos (laughs) after we get through uh, some of this. The correct answer is Nightmare on Elm Street four or just like her is. boobs or something she well she's a soul inside freddy's chest and even though you cannot see her yeah you can sense it is person. clear she is topless somehow it is yeah exactly one of the most creative ways to stick boobs into a movie i've ever seen i would agree I mean, genuinely i mean i'm not even joking yeah so then they do this technique of like how to disarm a assailant of some kind and shawnee just yeah. takes her boobs out to disarm Dwayne, and then uh yeah, that solidifies the absurd porn level setup to this movie uh, and then everyone in the class kicks Dwayne in the balls <laughs> incredible scene i wrote i know you're a big fan of cartoon sound effects and obviously that's what we get here and especially in this scene of course i appreciate the variety it wasn't the same bell sound over and over again there was like mm-hmm. three or four oh, that yeah. kind of cycled through that's the beauty of ghoulies three to me just to stay okay there's <laughs> more cartoon- that that's the sloan slime once again well it is that too but ghoulies 3 has more car i think that movie is a cartoon it just happens to be live action oh yeah it's a three it's a three stooges college comedy basically yeah, yeah but there's so many cartoon sound effects in it like so many like literally more than i've ever <laughs> like heard an alarming amount more than i've ever heard <laughs> ever in my life all right, then they do some random outdoor training, including a self-defense lesson, which is just yeah. them like kind of beating each other up. And then that crazy gun scene where 
Shawnee shoots like five times and hits like yeah. five random things. And then the sixth shot, she just nails it perfectly. Headshot. Yeah. Well, and, and I think she shot a person too. Impl- we don't yeah. get a shot of it, but not even like an implied. Like, she did shoot a person. <laughs> she says, yeah. sorry, sir. Again, the lack of creativity. There, there are some jokes in this movie. Some actually do work. There are a few like half decent. At least one Moments. line that I think is comedic gold. Okay, you'll have to point that out. I'll point and it I, out later. Because I, I'm off the top of my head, I can't remember, but there were definitely a few lines. There are a few or a lines. few kind of moments. There's that one that is, you know, one of the best ones. Well, this is this is an 80s movie, so there's definitely a few lines. But There's definitely there was... <laughs> more than a few lines involved in making us this movie. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the Sloan Slime. Yeah. Well, he actually invented a new drug called the Sloan Slime, and everyone was on it. <laughs> It's like a mix of cocaine and, like, pineapple juice or something. Yeah, it's a beverage. You have jokes that on the surface are at least a little funny. Maybe we've seen them before, but this scene where someone's shooting and they're awful at shooting and they're shooting every which way. Yeah. The execution is just terrible. She doesn't look that weird or that off when she's shooting, and it's just like people in the background are like cringing and kind of ducking when you hear well, that's ricochet it's all cartoon based ricochet on the sound it. effects. They missed the opportunity. You, you got to have a cat go. Rawr. They well, they didn't use that one. That's true. I mean, th- that's this like is the just... most used sound effect in history. I know. I just think that this is a true spoof movie, and this was one of those classic okay. scenes <laughs> where it was just like sound effect, sound effect, sound effect, and that's the bit. <laughs> Yeah. It's, it's it's like a sketch comedy where this is just a, a sketch and then we're moving on after this because yeah, exactly. the scene doesn't matter i don't believe she ever even fires her gun later in the movie i don't think so no i don't think she oh does. And we, we got to point out which what's this character's name first is it Didi? is this Didi? or is no shawnee is the one who's Shawnee, who's played by by karen russell Yes, Karen Russell. Linnea's co-star in Murder Weapon, which I believe is a Dakota film. I haven't seen that. I would like to. I'll just put it this way. The best movie ever made. I want to say I want to say it was one of the better Dakota films. That, look, that's saying something, because I like a lot of and movies. Karen Russell really impressed me with that movie. Like, she was really, really memorable in it. Well, and then I, I saw her in this movie, and I didn't even recognize her when I saw her face. <laughs> let's just, let's put, the, you're seeing a little bit more than the face. Well, look, you got Weapon. me hyped Let's put it that, that way. <laughs> yeah no it's her and Linnea there's a lot of no I definitely want to see that for sure. a lot of body acting <laughs> if I remember right okay and then um right after that Devonshire teaches them about like going undercover as prostitutes which has this like crazy makeup scene where oh yeah the makeup thing <laughs> puts makeup on her in like 21 seconds or something yeah um, there's there's a there's a bit about how oh when you're a prostitute you don't have time to put on makeup and i'm like what is that a thing <laughs> she's like no pimp will wait for you to put on makeup like what yeah. <laughs> what yeah, but the, it could mean they would make ten more dollars. I think they wait. That wasn't the most absurd thing about this scene. That's true. I'm, I'm just saying that even the basic setup is awkward. I agree. But yes. But it was it was just an insane scene in general. Right after that, Linnea and Shawnee. I I think in my notes I stopped writing Dee Dee and started just writing Linnea. <laughs> but I still wrote because everyone else's character. So embodies name. that role that you know. Yeah. So afterwards, Linnea and Shawnee are in the bathroom with holly and then she puts like a sign on her back on holly's back that says vice yeah, cops kind of thing yeah like to ruin the uh the drug bust 
<laughs> so um, that was a scene. I don't think it was a drug. I think this was a, I think she was a prostitute. Yeah, but either way, uh, you know, it's a really great bit from, from Rick on this one. You know, that was the Sloan Slime. A uh, little slime on that one. The Sloan slime, and this is where we meet Soda Pop, who exactly. which may or may not be an ingredient used in the Sloan slime. <laughs> oh, there's Soda Pop in there. Right. Oh, excuse me, Cherry Pop. Cherry yeah, it's Pop. Cherry that's Pop. Right. Yeah, which no, makes so, more soda sense. Soda Pop from for, The Outsider yeah. shows up in this. Oh, that's right. Isn't that, isn't that Rob Lowe? Uh, I don't remember. It's one, one of the famous one, guys, yeah. Well, Emilio. It's, maybe who's it's Emilio? I forgot he's in that one. He's in that. No, you're an Emilio guy, but. I'm a huge Emilio guy. I'm I'm a big Joe Estevez fan. Oh, I mean, I love Joe Estevez. I mean, he's awesome too. <laughs> he's one of the greats. You gotta love the whole Estevez <laughs> clan. You got Joe, Emilio, Martin, Charlie. <laughs> Joe's the real patriarch, and I, I agree. Yeah, he he's the king. Anyway, so they're out on the town. Shawnee and Dee Dee meet uh, Cherry Pop, as you said, who's an ex-porno actor. This prompts their investigation into the illicit ring itself. Which there's mm-hmm. that great, well, I won't say great, but there's that bit about... Um, Can you say great about anything? Uh, there's a bit about saying, well, with a name like Cherry Pop. And then, yeah. Uh, yeah, so anyway. So that's not the comedic goal, just just a highlight. That's not the comedic gold, but you know. Yes, okay. That's, that's a light I agree. chuckle. I, I agree with you. That is not comedic gold. I'll let you know when the, the true chuckles come later. Sure. So then we have... Uh, yeah, Miss Devonshire gives them the lipstick thing. I'm kind of skipping ahead a little bit, but they're you know they explain that they're gonna go. Oh yeah, this is the cue scene where she gives them some gadgets. Yeah, and there's some great sound effects in this scene as well. Yeah, <laughs> lipstick that simulates the gunfire sound effect. Yeah, and then like the siren, and then there's the earring that is a radio. Yes. You know, we we got our gadgets. They won't be used until the very end of the movie. But <laughs> but we have the gadgets. So you know that's just you know Rick Sloan. He likes to set stuff up. <laughs> well we already that. had setups for the end of the movie that we didn't real even realize were setups was the ball kicking scene that's true and the topless karen russell scene is that's is a that's setup. you know that's sloan he likes to bring it all back <laughs> he likes <laughs> he likes to to mess with your expectations <laughs> they're he's, well-rounded he's films yeah so then linnea goes to the porno company to start her undercover operation then of course, we get the incredible Chucky Long. <laughs> <laughs> incredible name, incredible character. Uh, and despite... He actually is a, kind of a funny character. Yeah. He is a funny character, but despite admitting that he thought the previous actress was under 18... Yes. Linnea yes. is still really into him. Yeah. <laughs> Immediately. Yeah, that's worth pointing out. This is... Well, this entire scene is... I mean, it, again, everything's strange. But I want to talk about the casting agent here for a minute. Yes. This guy sucks. He's doing his, he looks like Joe Pentoliano a little bit. Uh-huh, yeah, he does. And he's got an equally obnoxious voice, if not quite as an obnoxious accent as Joey Pants. Spoiler alert, but this is the character that gives one of the best lines to me. Oh, interesting. Well, then I certainly, I don't remember it off the top of my head, so I am curious. But I just want to focus on, this guy is just weird. Yeah, he is. Oh, I, I know what you're getting at, but but he also, like, I would have liked any other actor in this scene more. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that this, the line He's one of the main villains in Vice him. Academy 2, and he sucks in that, too. Oh, is no. Is it, that's that's all I'm saying. That. Yeah, he's a he's a he's a. Re- I thought maybe he was a Sloan a Sloan staple or something. I don't know if he's in Hobgoblins. I, I don't seen think that he movie is, but I don't. I don't in a long remember. time, but when I first saw it, I thought maybe this was Rick Sloan because this seems like where you would insert a director cameo. 
I mean, if I'm telling you the truth, I only know Rick Sloan like by the picture I've seen of him. Yeah, on, well, like, I mean, IMDb. I don't, I don't even think I know know that much. <laughs> it's just like a picture of him with a hat on, and there's like a. Oh no, on. I have seen. Yeah, because because yeah. now that I've seen um, two Vice Academy movies in 2021, he's made it onto my Letterbox page of most watched directors. So I that's, have seen that picture. I swear to that's Facebook. embarrassing. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, it's 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 Nigel Bach with seven, and then it's a bunch of people with, or excuse me, with eight, and then it's a bunch of directors with two or three. And but I mean, if we're right. talking Nigel Bach and Rick Sloan, Nigel's the real masterwork. He he's the guy who he's the real maestro, in my opinion. He's the Fellini to Rick Sloan's Antonioni. <laughs> yes, I think that that is a fair comparison to Nigel Bach and Rick Sloan. I mean, Nigel Bach t- he takes. Oh, sorry. Go, just go on. No, 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 no. I, I want to hear what you got to say about Nigel Bach. No, I was just, I was just going to say he takes literally nothing and somehow spins it into a good. Like, there's no joke there. I'm just going to say. I know it's 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 so he true. Makes though, something with, out of nothing. With at least like the Haunted Highway, and I liked The Way In a lot. I, I like most of them. The Way In. That's a Ginger Lynn film, isn't it? <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Linnea does some snooping, and oh yeah, well this is after she already shows up to the shoot, which is like the next scene. Well, you gotta uh, you're you're skipping the resume part. Those are some of the funniest. Okay, moments. well let me talk about the resume part. So yeah, so there's so they're looking at the resume that Miss Devonshire made yeah. for Linnea, which is another extra layer of odd to this scene. And then uh, <laughs> he the guy asks. Will you at, will you do anything with animals? And she says no. And then he says, "Well, it says right here that you made it with half the zoo in this movie." And then the same thing is done with S and M, and that's basically the bit for that. It's I thought it was relatively funny, and it, no, it, it is. I agree. It, it is. is weird that Miss Devonshire, who's this snooty, uptight like prude, gives yeah, her I don't the know, resume. That's the don't funny know where part. that's coming from. But yeah, it does set up the the line that I really like later. So. Yeah, I I, th- I think you and I are talking about the same line, ha- although this ha- isn't from the sleazy director guy. Is it not? Wait. Well, I'm thinking of like because they're listening in. Um, Karen Russell and the one Dwayne. guy in the Vice Academy, yeah. Dwayne, are listening in on like through the earring radio thing. Yeah, yeah. And when Linnea gets back there, she's like, "Oh, I gotta shoot whoever gave me that." Re-. It's like, or someone's like, "Oh, what? Who gave you that resume?" <laughs> and then she's like, "It was Miss Devonshire." And then it's like, "Yeah, but who whose resume is it?" And then, then Dwayne's like, "I would like to meet her or something." Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. kind of funny. That's not the line I'm thinking of, but that yeah, that's wow. <laughs> good... Well, look, look, uh, I look, I'll, 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 we'll get there. It's coming up. So then Linnea shows up to the shoot, the porno shoot. And yeah, they, as this you the said, David Bowie scene. Exactly. Uh, Shawnee and Dwayne are in the car listening. So Linnea goes to like this back room where she's snooping around mm-hmm. this like office. And there's this really bad parody of the James Bond theme that plays during the scene that I don't know if you remember that, but I took note of it. <laughs> I, 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 think i it rings a bell yeah it's like a really weird ripoff of the james bond theme there's a few of those because earlier on whenever they're doing the makeup scene they play like a bad version of the jeopardy theme song like a ripoff of yes it. yeah wait why which scene which scene was that i do remember the, jeopardy the makeup theme. scene like when, oh yeah when because because her. they were timing something yes. that was a weird because <laughs> usually you you do that when it's like there's like a difficult decision to make or something like in the grinch when they do kind of their version of that yeah the grinch. which there's clint howard in that one too <laughs> clint howard steals the show in that and so many other classic <laughs> films yeah. 
No, but well, in 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 a reminder that the music score is composed entirely, as far as I can tell, on a Casio keyboard with just like a different setting clipped here. Right? It sounds like something a child would would drum up. I, I want to mention a piece of score in a second. Other than that one, because oh, um, during Linnea's porn shoot, Shawnee and Dwayne stop listening to the radio so that they or no stop listening to the earrings so that they can listen to a band called Severe Tire Damage. And yeah, it was a he, weird name. I remember. Yeah, he's like, I got the new severe severe tire damage or something and she's like oh they're my favorite band and then they put it in and it's just like the score <laughs> it's just like normal <laughs> rick sloan score like it's <laughs> they just start like rocking out to it <laughs> but it's just like a normal piece of yeah like you said casio keyboard music <laughs> uh, so that was an interesting <laughs> decision <laughs> so that was that was just an interesting way to make it to where they don't have to pay attention to what's going on i guess <laughs> they went to stockmusic.com to get their music for this yeah i don't yeah i don't know who made the music for this movie but you know they really outdid themselves alan smith he did the score <laughs> <laughs> it's actually richard band but he didn't want to take credit for it yeah it, it does have that sound to it yeah like a low rent richard band <laughs> but this isn't the line i was talking about but here's another great line whenever chucky long first uh whenever they say action he walks up and goes i'm a horny stud let me in mm-hmm. <laughs> which is a good line <laughs> oh and it it's it's funny because when he does that like it's supposed to be a rape scene yeah he's supposed to break and enter but when he does it because linnea is so smitten with chucky long each time she's like oh okay and then they're like cut you're not supposed to be excited he's gonna rape you or something yeah the, the f- director says movie. like you need to degrade her more <laughs> like yeah <laughs> the director who inexplicably is why are they parroting da- david bowie with this in this part like these are the sloan slime decisions that i just can't get behind you know i honestly can't tell you <laughs> But we're about to get the line. So uh, basically, they do the scene. Also, right before that, the we the creepy you know casting agent guy and the director are mm-hmm. like, you know, I heard there's like a vice student somewhere, <laughs> like like might might be infiltrating our business. You don't think it's her, do you? And then she's like, Are you kidding me? And so, you know, it's a really on the nose <laughs> reference mm-hmm. to that. And then Shawnee and Dwayne realize that they're not listening to Linnea through the thing. So they turn mm-hmm. severe tire damage off and mm-hmm. they just hear Linnea shrieking, but it's actually in pleasure, of course, but they don't know that. So they mm-hmm. run in and they go, you're under arrest. And then the casting agent says, you lied to us. You never had sex with any zoo animals. <laughs> Which I thought was the best scene of the, or the best of the all best, of all the things. I mean, the best line. I understand what you mean. Yeah, I mean, of all the things to call her out for lying about. Yes, exactly. And, and that's wait, isn't that a, that's a Chucky Long line, isn't it? No, no, no. It's the casting agent who says that. I thought it was Chucky for some. No, because he okay. like stands up all offended and he goes, <laughs> "You lied to us. You never had sex with any zoo animals." <laughs> all right. I thought it was the best line of the movie. <laughs> and then is this a, is this the scene where? Chucky claims that he faked his orgasm for her or something yes. like that. But then yeah. she she says, like, you might want to be nice to me because I can get you off, like, on bail or something like that. Which then, well, well, this it's leading somewhere. So they arrest some of the porno people, but they still haven't gotten the head honcho, obviously. It's so early on in the movie. And, yeah, Linnea, let's just say it, kidnaps <laughs> Chucky Long. Oh yeah, she cuffs him to her, and they go to her. <laughs> yes, they go uh, back Rick to her Rick Storm's studio apartment. 
<laughs> and yeah, so she kidnaps him and uh, keeps him hostage in her house. Uh, honestly, her relationship with Chucky Long is the most confusing thing about this movie. We're, we're at times it almost feels like we're going towards Takashi Miike's like audition territory with yes. this. I mean, in in a non-comedic version of this, that's what we have. You're not wrong. You're not or wrong. Or Misery, maybe Misery, with the great Kathy Bates <laughs> and Clint Howard or from earlier. Is that Clint was... Howard in Misery? No, but can you imagine Clint Howard playing the... <laughs> that would be crazy. The Paul Sheldon role. Well, well, here's the thing. That's the role he'd probably be very good at, but he'll never get because he's so fucking weird looking. I so. know, but you gotta love how weird looking he is. <laughs> Gotta love it. Absolutely. So yeah, so she kidnaps Chucky Long. Then the next day, she's like all happy because they made the arrests and everything. And then Miss Devonshire comes in. And well, says, and you're skipping the the sex scene, the the obligatory. Well, Linnea I, I kind of I glazed over it. They they bang again. It's a Linnea Quigley scene. Movie, they, yeah, so you're she going had to get to pull her that boobs out. Scene. That's the it's only shocking time she... they didn't do it during the porno shoot. Actually, quite frankly. Yeah, I agree. It's honestly shocking that this is the scene they decided to use it on. This is the only scene mm-hmm. where she pulls her boobs out. You would think that it would happen in like most other scenes than this one. <laughs> And that's the thing, and I'm not saying this movie's bad because of this. I'm not I'm not being a weirdo pervert saying, like, oh, I need to see more nudity in this movie. Yeah. But you would expect more than what you get. <laughs> you really would. You would. Even having no knowledge of Rick Sloan. Okay, what is this? This is a sex comedy yeah. parroting police academy, I guess, maybe. Yeah, you it's would a think that there's more boobs in it. With Linnea Quigley... Her co-star from Murder Weapon, who's, who's naked half that movie. And a porn star. And a porn star, who, by the way... Never gets naked. That is the most shocking thing. And honestly, there's really... There's just like two... or th- Well, there's three boob shots in this movie, and one is a reference to the other, and that's it. Yes. Although the, the Linnea Quigley one, it's, it's, it's more, a good 20 seconds or so. Yeah, that one's more upfront for sure. And and this is partially about the nudity and partially not. Ginger Lynn in this movie, playing Holly, she's second build behind only Linnea. She's hardly in it. She's She has nothing to do. And I don't mean like... She's like an antagonist. Kind of I, well, she is. Academy. And that's fine. And that's fine. But yeah. like, I, I'm shocked that like... Yeah, she's in it less than... A, you, you have a porn star... If yeah. you can't think of something to have her do, have her be naked, or take off her top or something. Like, that's what, what a normal person would do. Yeah, but that, <laughs> that's what Rick a David Sloan, Dakota would do. Rick Sloan <laughs> is what, not a normal person. That's, that's what a Jim Wynorski, a David <laughs> Dakota, a Fred Olin Ray would do if they have Ginger Lynn. They're like, okay, yeah, we've got to use that. Sloan was on the slime during this shoot. He, <laughs> he was doing something else. But it, it's just, she doesn't do that. And not only does she not get naked but she like barely does any like at least if you're not going to give us that give us something she's inexplicably in lingerie for like five seconds later in the movie late in the movie yeah that is true (laughs) (laughs) so that's like the most you get it's just it's it's a shocking underutilization of ginger and again having seen vice academy 2 far better use of her talents you know i'll just be upfront with that. So yeah, at this point, Devonshire tells Linnea that they had to let everyone go that they arrested because she had sex with the guy on camera, like in front of everybody. So her, her opinion wouldn't like hold up. In which court. which you'd think would be the evidence that they're talking that they need. Yeah, but but no, <laughs> <laughs> but no. I mean, they said it wouldn't. Like whatever. They said it wouldn't hold up in court, so they they dropped him. But of course, that comes back around. But we'll we'll get to that. And they're trying to get cherry pop to testify or they were hoping cherry pop would testify and she shows up and says that she will 
Yeah, and that's like right after that. And then Miss Devonshire <laughs> basically sends them on a a mission to crack the pr- prostitution ring and uh Holly says like, you know, none of our vice students have come back since being put on that, you know, patrol or whatever. And Devonshire says, "I know." Like all evil like. Yeah, we get we get a major turn for Miss Devonshire here. Yeah, she that wants first them just to seems die. like you're <laughs> classic like oh you know frustrated teacher ah oh, these students suck no she, she wants these kids dead yeah she wants them dead yeah so basically what they do is they're just like tricking prostitutes into outing themselves as prostitutes so that they can arrest them so that they can find out where the operation is held at going back to my complaint mm-hmm. about it's shocking how little creativity there is in these scenes yeah we have the same scene like three times over it is genuinely shocking yeah i mean i i can't disagree <laughs> but you know it is so freaking lazy i like it's it, incredible <laughs> i think it's a good scene <laughs> it's i mean it's fine i'm not complaining too much <laughs> I look i don't go into a rick sloan movie expecting <laughs> much more than what i got <laughs> no but you would probably what i was saying earlier you go into a ginger lynn film expecting something different than but i don't really know, know anything about ginger lynn so not really she's not in e- dr alien for two seconds and she's I know, I know. you know enough about it <laughs> but again that's dakota <laughs> you know he's doing he's he's not on dakota the slide. handles similar material in a more compelling way is what i'm saying i mean i can't disagree with that but rick sloan even w- 13, even the 13. fact that there are two david dakotas there's 80s early 90s dakota you know the creepazoids era of course another classic which i will not deny sorority babes in the slime bowl bullarama has plenty of scenes like the scenes in this where it's just uncreative and like like when the bride of frankenstein monster is like looking for brink stevens who's just like hiding behind a fountain and then eventually she just finds her like that scene is shockingly bad that's like a rick sloan scene i gotta be honest it's been a long time since i saw that movie but okay i don't remember that scene (laughs) But I thought I like that movie, so that's all I got to yeah, say. No, about and, and then and then obviously, 21st Century Dakota is is a different person. I'm convinced. Yeah, it has and he to was be. gonna he's gonna says that he's gonna direct a sequel to that movie. It that that's come out. I think that no, that one didn't come out. Oh, I thought it did. The official Twitter account of that got mad at me a few years ago. Really? Because like the Deadly Ten. <laughs> <laughs> i don't know it's, it's like it's it's some twitter account claiming to be it's not the gin what's the monster's name in that what do they call him impy the imp yeah yeah it's a twitter account claiming to be impy uncle impy got very angry at me when i said sorority babes in the slime bowl bullarama kind of sucks actually <laughs> which like i mean i'm not wrong and that's part of what's great about i mean like uh, calm down uncle impy <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just and and the weirdest part is that he got angry with me while telling me to be sure to check out Sorority Babes and <laughs> Slime Bubblerama too. It's like I don't understand. <laughs> I don't well, understand I, I wish this. that would have came out. I I actually don't. I feel like those types of movies, these Vice Academy types of movies, these eighties, early nineties, mid nineties, boob filled like direct to video kind of movies. Yeah. These these are of their time. Nowadays, the closest thing to these kinds of movies, they seem to have like 45-year-old ex-porn actors in them well, yeah. who are like heavily made up and just not pleasant to look at. I hate to say it, but it's like there's no modern-day Michelle Bauer that I'm aware of. There's no, no I mean, it just depends. I Linnea also think, quickly. I just think it was interesting that Brink Stevens was going to co-direct that movie too. Oh, I hadn't heard that actually. That is the most interesting thing about that movie 
already in whether or not the movie exists. I guarantee that's more interesting. Well, they didn't end up making it because it was for the Deadly 10 thing, and that didn't pan out, okay. at least not yet. All right, let's get back into... Yeah, that's uh, on me. Account. I'm cutting that. Don't worry. <laughs> Are you sure? There was a lot of good stuff in there. <laughs> was there? We were talking about Slime, slime Bowl around whatever the hell that movie's name is. Sir, well, maybe I'll keep some of the, the Slime Ball stuff. Because I like the story of Uncle Impy getting angry with me on Twitter. Well, I mean, that's classic. Classic Impy. <laughs> I mean, how many people have called you out on Twitter? Zero. Because uh, you don't have a Twitter. I used to have Twitter, though. Oh, did you? Okay. But I didn't I didn't usually provoke people. <laughs> Jim Wynorski to... <laughs> ever hit you up? Like, you fucking asshole. <laughs> I, I, I don't think anyone's ever come after me on Twitter, though. So, <laughs> I mean, imagine just one of your heroes... <laughs> Uncle Impy just turning on you like that. Yeah, that's that's fucked up. <laughs> he, he's one. He is one of my heroes. That was a picture of him over my bed. No, I <laughs> I actually genuinely hate him, and I feel like the voice of him is super racist. <laughs> yeah, it definitely is because that is a white dude doing it. Yeah, it it certainly that is, is very very racist, and it kind of bothers me. I I can't I can't really argue in favor of it so. but that's that's the dakota touch you know that's the dakota touch is light racism or half naked men <laughs> casual racism yeah so anyway so they trick the prostitutes and now see themselves blah, blah blah anyway so they the, this leads them to a laundromat which is where we get to like basically the third act which is i guess you know well you know it's there's Did we even really on. have a first two yeah we didn't really have a first two but we know that by the time we're at the laundromat we're in the third act Shawnee and Dwayne are captured, and this is after Dwayne does a very uh, did-not-age-well Middle Eastern impersonation. Oh, speaking of Dakota levels of (laughs) racism. Yes, this is right. This is is one of those. Luckily, it's a very short scene, and it ends quickly. (laughs) Yeah, we didn't get to Cannonball Run levels. No, so yeah, it could have been worse, or just could have been longer, I guess, and I'm glad it wasn't. Mm Mm-hmm. But it's still there, and you can't unsee it at the same time. Yeah. So Shawnee and Dwayne are captured, and then basically, right, right, right before Linnea enters, there's a funny scene where Linnea and Chucky Long agree that they love each other on a purely physical mm-hmm. level. <laughs> oh yeah, and this is a really funny scene too because he's he's like, oh, when are you? Because he's still handcuffed to like her sink or whatever, and he's like, yeah. when are you gonna uh, come to let me out? And and she's like, I left you the key. It's right there under the newspaper. I thought you would have found it by now. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that a, that is one of the few gen. I didn't even want to say few. It is one of the funnier moments. It's a yeah, genuine. Yeah, I agree. Laugh. So then, with about twenty minutes left in the film, we are intro- finally introduced to Queen Bee, who is the antagonist. Who I we guess. didn't know of. Like, was she mentioned before? She, no, she wasn't. She just shows up. <laughs> and also, it, it's surprising how literal the name is. Like Queen Bee, you think like okay, but she's got like a stinger on her like part of her costume is like a, and her hair like a, is like a beehive and her hair is the, you know, the Marge Simpson the beehive kind of thing. But she keeps referring to her lair as like the honeycomb or something, and she's like, "Follow me, fellow." Be-. Like, what are we doing here? What is this? Yeah, I don't get what. Like, I know she runs the prostitution <laughs> ring, but it's her like yeah. little click and all that. I don't, I don't know if I get it. it's weird b focus was strange (laughs) i agree like was there something in police academy that that i'm missing because i never saw that movie i never saw it probably i I couldn't tell you but i doubt it yeah (laughs) it's rick sloan he was on the slime man he he probably he probably didn't see police academy (laughs) he probably didn't he was like i can guess what that movie's about (laughs) 
He saw he saw a lethal weapon and he saw a murder weapon the the <laughs> quickly Karen Russell movie. He's like, that's it, that's all I need. Yeah, I could I could make both of those at the same time. So Linnea gets Chucky Long to do an impersonation of just a policeman and like say normal policeman things <laughs> like the, mm-hmm. this place is surrounded come out with your hands up etc and so that goes off and then while that's going off she uses the lipstick gun thing finally mm-hmm. and long awaited yeah and then this, that's when it becomes real and that tricks queen bee into thinking that the place is surrounded obviously every now and then when i see like a this type of i mean what would you describe? Like, how would you categorize this movie? I mean, it's a schlock movie, right? Because it's it's a spoof movie, and it's schlock. I was thinking there's got to be like a, a more specific kind of category for this than just schlock, because Grizzly is schlock to a certain extent. Yeah, it's it it's, has schlock elements to it. It it is definitely it feels like one of those late '80s, early '90s sort of like slightly erotic but not all the way and it's like well yeah the, because the sex scene is played completely i mean it's linnea quigley topless but it's played completely for laughs like, yeah we, and then it's like it's a comedy kind of... but also not like it's like that's the huge it's focus. not funny <laughs> it's not the funniest thing ever and then it's like yeah, yeah i don't know that i think it's a the worst version of dr alien it's kind of in that yeah honestly sort of vein. doctor except dr alien is also it dr alien i've talked about this before but it dr alien is like one part sex comedy one part like family friendly coming of age story it's it's very odd to see those two combined i know and this this doesn't have any family friendly element (laughs) except for maybe the cartoon sound effects but that's it yeah i don't know it's just a sleazy movie the reason i ask is is when i watch a movie like this because this is not really my type of movie I mean, I know the uh-huh. shocker, right? Yeah, my shocker. There's a movie. <laughs> no, a big fan. We featured it in our third episode. I love it. <laughs> but yeah, this is a. There's usually a certain point in a movie like this where I just kind of give up and and become embarrassed to be watching it. You uh-huh. know, with demonic toys, it was you know five minutes in. You know, certain movies, I'm just like, this is, what did I do in my life to bring me to this point? You know, like, I'm watching this on Tubi. I'm watching this for the second time on Tubi because I saw it, like, two years ago. I watched it for the but, second like, time today in a week. <laughs> two hours ago. Yeah. And that moment for me in this movie was here, was uh-huh. when Queen Bee and her B-girls and that sleazy porn casting agent guy, casting director. Yeah are going through the same hallway over and over again. Well, no, 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 the casting director isn't in this scene. Oh, no, you're right, but it's there a is a guy. a different guy named though. Snake. Oh, <laughs> Stanley. Just some guy who showed up named Snake. I don't... Okay, no, you you are correct, yes. But the, it's this is where I give up. This is where I become embarrassed. They're going through the same one or two hallways. There's all these lines about, like, oh, it's a honeycomb. The police will never be able to, like, find their way through this honeycomb. It's like... And and just again the lack of creativity and how it's shot you can tell it's the same one or two set it's just like the, I'm embarrassed at the at this point in the movie I'm embarrassed up until this point there's been moments here and there where I enjoyed I enjoyed the nuts kicking you know all that stuff well I can't co-sign it I can't co-sign it oh okay hey, it's good to hear <laughs> I think it's good all the way through this podcast is about the variety of opinions it and certainly is with the exception of like the movie spider baby my co-host jim and i have i think we've agreed on a few too many things here and there so it's good to hear 
Well, I mean, someone who likes the, this movie, and especially because the reason I reached out to you to be on this episode was I had a feeling I I would have a hard time getting Jim to watch Vice Academy. <laughs> I just knew it. Luckily, <laughs> I've been waiting for a reason to watch it. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so it worked out for me. Yeah. So the, so yeah, they're running around. Then Dwayne kicks someone in the balls, which is really awesome. You know, it really great callback. Mm-hmm. Then Chucky Long handcuffs someone who uh, really cements him as a confusing good guy. <laughs> I don't really know. He's an anti-hero. Yeah, he's he's interesting. And then they trick... I don't know how they do this, but they trick everyone into the back of the van. <laughs> they trick everyone again, into running into lack, the back. <laughs> again, this is that Sloan slime. The, the the lack of where they're just... They just, like, get him to follow. Like, here, I think it's this story. They open the <laughs> they door. They just all run into very the clearly van. see the outside and that it's the van. And they're just sliding right in there. It's 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 beautiful. It's something to be celebrated. There was a more creative way to frame this. There, there could have been a more creative to, way, to, but that lack of creativity is something to be celebrated. It's something to be amazed by. I don't know about celebrated necessarily, <laughs> but sure, I am. We're celebrating it now, though. In a way. I am. <laughs> so when they're driving. So first of all, that now they realize that they're late for graduation. You know, that classic, I'm late for Oh, yeah, the whole thing, did we even discuss this? They had to get, like, ten arrests, and... Yeah, yeah, we talked... Yeah, they had to get ten. We did we? And, then, and since... Yeah, they have to get ten to graduate, and they lost all the ones they had before, so we think. Even though they didn't, because Cherry Pop... And, but to yeah, their but they, knowledge, But that's sort of, like, them. a reveal, yes. even though we already know that she went mm-hmm. to talk to them. But anyway, uh... I would also like to point out the Cherry Pop actress, whoever the hell she is... The first time we see her, we see her at night. She's like outside a porno theater or something. It's great to see that Los Angeles had a 42nd Street, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> but when she shows up at the police station to say that, hey, I'm willing to testify against those people, the like beat up makeup on her is a little too good for this kind of movie. Yeah. It looks like someone actually punched her in the face several times. It, it I feel weird seeing, watching it, yeah. Yeah, especially after seeing, that like... That Sloan slime, it's one of those side effects. Especially after seeing, like, Hobgoblins and seeing how he handled, like, the puppets in that movie <laughs> and stuff. How the puppets are just, like... Held up. Yeah, they're hanging from, from like, seven feet up in the air at some point, even though they're six inches tall. By the way, I don't remember which... <laughs> Vice Academy movie it is. But there's a Hobgoblins cameo in maybe four or three or five. Like a I think it's one of the Goblin cameo or or what? The puppets are like visible in frame for oh. like an entire scene where they're just sitting, which which means they shot it at Rick Sloan's home. Is what <laughs> yeah, <that> probably. Means. <laughs> but, but I was like watching that and I was like, it's shocking actually that's that he's that proud of hobgoblins that he's gonna let his it's little a great movie puppet he made a sequel a in like cameo. 2013 <laughs> oh, you knew about that i right? would much rather see a modern day sorority babes in the slime ball bolorama sequel than a hobgoblin sequel i'll say that do, do you know anything about it the hobgoblins is it the only hobgoblin sequel first yeah. of all i assumed there was a series no okay. it's just hobgoblins 2 in 2013 they basically what they did was they re they it's the same characters from the original but they're the same age as they were in the 80s they're recast to be okay. like like with so it's like a act- remake no because what happened in the first movie happened in the <laughs> like it uh-huh. it's a continuation but it's the same characters and i don't think it takes place right after i think he was trying to like make it a scooby-doo thing where like he thought his the four characters in hobgoblins were so iconic that he's like oh we'll just do them again <laughs> <laughs> does club scum return 
No, it doesn't. I was upset. Because that's like the only thing I remember. And again, just the, you know, church festival picnic levels of like set design in the club scum. Look, I love club scum. That's a great sequence to me. <laughs> it is. Yeah. But uh so yeah, so they realize that they're late for graduation, but they got all these people in the back of the van, so they jump in the van and then there's this version of the William Tell overture that plays as they drive to graduation that sounds like it was being played by someone who's never heard William Tell before. <laughs> or, <laughs> well, and again, we're back on the Casio keyboard, yeah. first of all. I mean, yeah. But it's also like parts of it are just wrong. <laughs> like, it, but, it, but it doesn't sound like a, like a ripoff. It sounds like someone trying to play it right. <laughs> so that was weird. It's like someone heard it and then they were like ready to play it, but they lost their sheet music and they're like, oh, shoot. Yeah, exactly. They just, they're just guessing. So then there's they we see the weird outdoor graduation with no one but the 15 or so students. Yeah, no oh, family. this is so, so bad. This is... No one's there. This is where you realize, I mean, we've realized, we've already realized this at some points, but like in the scenes in the actual Vice Academy, when like all the grad or all the students are essentially extras except for Dwayne, Shawnee... Dee yeah. and Holly. Yes. Like everyone else is an extra and they just kick Sean or not Sean. Um they kick Dwayne. Dwayne Wade in the nuts. Like that's it's great. That's that's everyone else is an extra. Yes. <laughs> but like you see you're, there's fifteen extras in that scene, so you're like, okay, this movie, you know, not a big budget, but they've got something. And then once you see them shooting in this public park in Los Angeles, yeah. you're like, oh, I think no. it's different when you see a classroom because it would make sense that there'd be that many in a classroom. But then when you see it outdoors, you're yeah. like, oh, wow, this is the whole school, huh? <laughs> at least, <laughs> like, at least like Rick Slime. Yeah, no, that, that's a good point. It's like in uh, Dr. Alien where every single character is in the same science class. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Um, so yeah so we're at this outdoor graduation and they make it to graduation in the nick of time and yeah like you said i think how does her dress come off holly's dress comes off like oh just the van speeds by and i guess exactly (laughs) rick sloan yanked it off yeah so (laughs) who has the the van which is also an extra layer of weird because her dad is on stage. That's a good point. Like giving a speech at the moment when that happens. And she's like clearly one of the only people at this graduation. <laughs> it's uh-huh. not like he could miss it. Her mom didn't even show up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So who knows what's going on there? And then, yeah. So then they almost don't graduate because there's only nine people in the van that they brought to arrest. Then it's revealed that the uh, people from the porno movie were convicted after Cherry Pop testified against them. And then she shows up. Yeah, and she's the only spectator. Yes. Her, no, her her, and Chucky Long. That's true. Well, Chucky Long, remember, volunteers to be that 10th arrest. Yes. He's like, hey, I was involved in that porno ring. It really shows his love for Linnea. I mean, it, it's actually... It's moving. It, it is. In, it, it's, it moves something. <laughs> you know, and, I moved. And yeah, so they graduate with 15 arrests under their belt as valedictorians, and that is Vice Academy. That's how it ends. What a film what a serendipitous series of scenes and what a serendipitous series of films too. i, I, you'll, I you'll can't be, co-sign you'll, it. you're looking forward to, yeah but you're you're looking forward to elizabeth caton showing up in her giant mouth i'm i'm excited well i look i'm excited to see all those yeah and the hobgoblins cameo and miss devonshire being recast but then the original actress returning yeah, you got me really excited for this hobgoblins cameo <laughs> Well, what did you think of Vice Academy? I, I think I know what you felt about Vice Academy, but, but I tell will me anyway. say, in my 
run of watching the Vice Academy movies on Tubi because I have this thing mm-hmm. where I mean Tubi is best used. I mean they have like real movies on Tubi. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, but it, for me it's best used to like it just to watch check out this, like this odd curiosity. I agree. Because you don't know what it is, but it's free. And, you know, and it's like Kirsten Baker from Friday the 13th Part 2 is is in it. So it's yeah. like, sure, I'll watch it. <laughs> yes, of course. It's something like that. And so, like, I've gone, I've searched for Linnea Quigley and I've all of her movies, at least up until like 1996, are in there. Because after that, it's like the the voice roles and yes. David Dakota movies. And the, it's like, I don't, I'm not interested in that. And I've added all the Elizabeth Caton features and the mm-hmm. Michelle Bauer features and the Monique Gabrielle features and all that stuff and so that's how i stumbled upon vice academy and then i found out like oh elizabeth caton's in the other ones like this is gonna be great right so when i first watched that i thought it sucked uh-huh. and i but as i kept watching the series i enjoyed it more and more and actually at the time i thought vice academy's two and maybe four or five were like my favorite Mm-hmm. but really and then i actually did i thought i had seen them all but i realized i never saw the sixth one so i saw it like a month or two ago what'd you but think so, so it's like i kept i mean it's it's a vice game <laughs> okay okay so so it's like i i kind of thought that they were like the series was getting better and, and part of that is my interest and in, my preference in elizabeth Caton, perhaps yeah but really i don't think it's just that the series got better. I think I just got, kept getting more and more used to them, and I knew yeah. what I was expecting. So so it's like, if you don't know what Vice Academy is when you first watch it, and you watch it, and you're like, this is barely a movie. I mean, <laughs> I mean that's the Rick Sloan formula, right? Yeah. Um, what is the bare minimum we can put in a feature film? And that's the beauty of it. And what, yeah, once you are aware of that, there is some enjoyment to be had. Yeah, I agree. I think this film is not... I mean, it's obviously not a great film. It's not even great at being what it is, uh-huh. i.e. there's a lot of sleaze, but there's not as much sleaze as, honestly, this movie deserves. Mm-hmm. And I think that's maybe where some of the sequels excel. In fact, Vice Academy Part 2 opens with Ginger Lynn speaking, breaking the fourth wall, speaking to the audience, and saying that, hey, a common complaint we received about the first Vice Academy was that it wasn't sexy enough. Uh-huh. So this one's going to be more sexy. Yeah. It's not great... And it's not even great at being what it is, but it's watchable. I kind of enjoy it. I'm ashamed. Yeah, I would have to agree. I'm giving it four stars out of five. Okay. I'm a solid one and a half from... Well, here's the thing. I mean, I, I, I've i told you this. Mm-hmm. I have trouble giving ratings to, like, bad movies that I enjoy. Because I rate things based on kind of quality, but it's always subjective because it's my perception of the quality. Yeah. So I'll give Dr. Alien a five. Or five out of ten, you know, two and a half out of five. Uh-huh. But I really enjoy it, and I enjoy it as much as a lot of movies. I would give like a four out of five. Yeah, I see. I... And Sleepaway Camp, three out of five. But to, like in terms of enjoyment, that's ten out of ten for me. I think know? it's all based on enjoyment, though. That's all I care about. If I enjoyed the movie, then that then what I think else it's still there? a two out of five. Well, <laughs> still, well not necessarily in this case for you, <laughs> but I just mean in general with with Doctor Alien. If I think that it's a ten out of ten worth of enjoyment for right. me. I'll give it a 10 out of 10. I think it's my... I don't want to say guilt, because as Freud pointed out, guilt is based on morality and ethics, whereas shame is based on how society will view us. So I'm going to say it's my shame yeah. that's keeping me from rating I've lost something like that. Dr. Alien a 5 out of 5. I've lost my You've lost shame your shame. When it comes to films, at least. So so you do not have what you would consider a guilty pleasure to you? Anything no, I, I, I don't think so. I... I was struggling to think of an example because I think there are so bad it's good movies like oh 100% but I don't 
think a lot of the ones I, I don't watch, think that's what Vice Academy is, yeah. but a hundred percent. But I think most people I, would it's say it's hard it to have it so bad it's good comedy. But I think most people would say that that's what Vice Academy is. I don't. I don't think that most a lot people. Of the I watch most people if they're talking about Vice Academy are asking you what is Vice. Well, Academy? yeah, that's I've true. Never heard of it. But uh, yeah, so I don't know. I I don't think I have guilty pleasures. I don't think I do. I mean, that's good. That's probably very healthy. <laughs> If I if it's a movie like this and I enjoyed it all the way through, then it that's it. I mean, I'm giving it a four because I thought it wasn't great. Honestly, I thought it was really no. good. Right, but it could have it could have been <laughs> funnier in parts. It could have been more consistent in parts. Oh, there are parts I didn't like, but some I of thought the it jokes was... could have been executed better. Even some yeah. of the jokes that kind of worked could have been executed. But at the end better. of the like day, the, it was the ex- shooting scene. It was exactly what I thought it was going to be. <laughs> That's without a doubt. If you know who Rick Sloan is, and you know who Linnea Quigley is, and you kind of know just a little bit about that, this I do think this movie is exactly what you think it will be. Yeah, I gotta say... <laughs> yeah, that's fair. My, my end critique of it is, it's no Hobgoblins. You're right. That's why I'm giving it a two out of five, <laughs> and not a zero out of five. I think Hobgoblins, I think you need to go revisit that. I think you need to give it another chance. So, Feck... Yes. Which of these two movies do you prefer? Which did you enjoy more? <laughs> Vice Academy. But also, I think it's a little bit shorter. I think it's a little bit more, like, it It taps into my brain specifically. <laughs> like yeah, it, that's more a movie for you, yeah. I think. Yeah. It's a more sleazy 80s kind of movie, whereas I felt like Grizzly was just something I was supposed to take more seriously, and I just wasn't super into it. Yeah, it's definitely trying to be taken more seriously, yeah. but it's still got the girdler touch, no, though. <laughs> I totally agree, but Vice Academy is just more straight junk food. Like, I can just... it. Like it oh, yeah, that's... A great description. By. Yeah. This is your Taco Bell Gordita Crunch where, you know, it's not good for you <laughs> and it's going to come out of you really fast eventually, soon yeah. enough. Like, to me, with, with Grizzly, and I don't want to talk bad, but I only saw it once, and I thought there were a lot of great moments in it, but I felt bored multiple times in it, and that's mm-hmm. really all it comes down to with me not thinking it's amazing. Whereas with Vice Academy, mm-hmm. like, I definitely wasn't bored, in my opinion, at least I wasn't bored watching it. <laughs> It was it was a lot of things, but I didn't think boring was one of them. Well, I'm going to be the opposite, and I'm but I'm going to agree with a lot of the stuff you said. Yeah. But I'm overall I'm saying I prefer Grizzly, mm-hmm. and I think a lot of it comes down to the '70s versus the '80s. The '70s trash, the '70s sleaze, and this isn't trash; it's sleaze. It's not trash. Yeah. Versus the '80s sleaze. I I agree with you, but I, on the opposite way. <laughs> Okay, but no, but to me, like the set, well, one, just in general, I think 70s, in terms of non trash, I think it's the best decade for horror. Okay. Suspiria, Wicker Man, oh, of Jaws, I mean, Exorcist, The Omen. There's a million. Deep examples. Red, Dawn of the Dead. I mean, it, it, a lot of people love, love the 80s. 80s a little schlockier, which yeah. a lot of people like that. I mean, you still get your The Shining, which The Shining is a 70s movie. It just yeah, ha- came yeah, out in definitely. 1980. Just like Halloween's an 80s movie. It came out in 78. Same thing with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I don't know why I have <laughs> random poll, but, you know. <laughs> it was, you, that's a 70s movie that came out in the 90s? No, it's an 80s saying? movie that came out in the, in, in the 90s. It's like Jacko's an 80s movie. It came out in 95 for some reason. Yeah, but that's what I love about <laughs> Way behind the ball. That's why I, I love those 90s like shot on video straight to straight to video movies because they they have the spirit of what was happening in the 80s <laughs> like they haven't yeah. left yet <laughs> there were several eight or nine years behind the ball but yeah yeah exactly but even in terms of the 70s sleaze mm-hmm. i tend to find it more interesting than 80s sleaze like listen 80s sleaze gives you a basket case of course right 
I mean, The Basket Case is a masterpiece. That is one of the greatest exploitation movies ever. I would say if if barring the first three ghoulies, the best trilogy ever is Basket Case. I Brain actually have Damage, not seen the sequels. Now, I'm not even talking oh, about the sequels. Oh, I'm just talking okay. about like that unofficial you're... trilogy of mm-hmm. movies right there. Because like, they sure. all tie into each other. Yeah, the basket case guy shows up in Brain Damage, <laughs> yeah. for sure. So that's, that's like 80s sleaze at its best. 80s trash, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. 70s sleaze at its best is... Well, I, don't know, I don't know if at its best is ever as good as... Well, I guess the 70s equivalent to that is It's Alive. Yeah, those are great. <laughs> Which is a damn good movie in its own right. It's not quite as amazing as Basket Case. But then again, I think the best one of those was the 80s one. I, I haven't. So oh, I did see the second one. It's it, the third it, one. It Comes Again or something. Yeah, yeah it's Alive. Okay, yeah, Island of the Alive, right? Yes. <laughs> it's got Karen Black <laughs> in title. it. Come on, I gotta love it. 70s Weird is great. Yes. And 70s Sleaze gave us not just the Emmanuel movies, but the black Emmanuel movies, like all the ripoffs and like that stuff to me. Listen, those movies are not good, but they are fascinating to me. And I think the 70s trash, the 70s sleaze, whatever you want to call it, to me is is more interesting. And and Grizzly being this weird mix of this genuine ambition to the filmmaking, all the helicopter stuff. I mean, there was real effort put into this movie. Uh, We didn't talk about the scene where the bear took down a a, like a watchtower and just yeah. we're kind of just leaning against it aggressively. <laughs> like, like there's a lot of, oh, yeah. I mean, you mentioned you like a lot of the moments, but I think even as the whole, like Jaws rip off as much as I don't like the four year old child getting his leg ripped off. Like that's fascinating to yeah, me. No, like, why would you make that decision? You know, at the end of the day though, the eighties gave us the garbage pail kids movie. Well, yeah. I mean, well, I know the seventies gave us some other good weird stuff. Yeah, of course. Seventies gave us how Sue. That's so true. That's really the true. weirdest movie, the possibly the most insane movie ever made. I don't know. Maybe, yeah, it might. It probably is. <laughs> Very well could be. <laughs> it probably is. Yeah. Anyway, so that's my opinion. Mm-hmm. What do you think of this? How do How do you think this works as a double feature? I mean, it's it works in a sort of dichotomy of like early seventies. You're supposed to take it semi seriously, mm-hmm. but there's still a lot of wackiness in, involved. But it's wackiness that's played straight for the most part. By yeah, the unintentional wackiness as yeah. opposed to very, very intentional wackiness. O- overt, like what many cartoon would, sound effects. Yeah, what many would say is a waste of film. Uh, so <laughs> a waste of six. <laughs> there's like nine hours of vice academy movies yeah. out there folks so while i would say that it doesn't work as a double feature in general there's definitely a, a fun yin yang to it <laughs> dichotomy to it uh but they're just so wildly different like even that aside mm-hmm. i mean one's an animal attack movie and one's like a undercover cop spoof movie <laughs> you know it's just uh it's a sex comedy it's a sex comedy with cartoon sound effects exactly so it's very different. I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to agree with you. It's not a great double feature. No. I think the problem here is Grizzly's not a great first movie. Grizzly's a good second movie for like mm-hmm. a more straightforward horror or adventure film. Yeah, I agree. I don't know. Give me give me a Wicker Man Grizzly double feature. <laughs> because Wicker Man, <laughs> I don't know. I just, this is the first thing that came Interesting. to mind. Interesting. <laughs> in that case too, I mean, there's a lot of sex in Wicker Man. Yeah. Like there is in Vice Academy, like, a lot of nudity, stuff like that. But it's like, it's a weird movie, but like, it's pretty mainstream. It's well known. And then Grizzly's just this like oddity of like, can you believe this was a very successful movie? Like, yeah, it's, it's just I weird agree. kind of seeing that. And I think maybe Grizzly as a, as a 
B side to an A side of like the Legend of Boggy Creek. Yeah, I kind agree. of representing the weird era of the seventies where like any hack could throw together a hit film because drive-in theaters exist. You know that kind of thing. But I love that. No, I I do too. And yeah. again, going back to Nigel Bach. <laughs> We can't say successful necessarily, but no, we but... still love our everyday hacks going out there and doing things themselves, you know? No, I think he's an auteur. In 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 the hack sense, yes. No, he's, 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 just... he's a hack version of an auteur. No, he's just an auteur, I think. <laughs> so, Feck, why don't you tell us where we can find you? I mean, not physically, we don't... You can find me outside in the streets, um, walking around. <laughs> no, I'm found... Uh... Hanging outside the porno theater with Cherry Pop. Yeah, with Cherry Pop. I don't know where you can find me. A lot of different places. I'm. I got my hat, you know, laying all over town. I, I'm. I'm all over the place. Uh, I mean, do you have like podcasts, blogs, YouTube, that stuff? Too many to name, but I guess I'll say shock reviews since it's uh, the most relevant to what's happening here. <laughs> if you go, certainly, yeah. If you go to YouTube, Schlock Reviews, you know, I'm there. Season two will be starting soon. It probably will have started by the time this episode comes out. Just a reminder. This it depends we're on recording this. It really just depends on me. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, it depends a little bit on me too. Yeah, it's both <laughs> I mean, of when I release this. So yes, Schlock Reviews season two will either have started already <laughs> or it it will be starting <laughs> at some point in your life will we get a one of the vice academy perhaps sequels featured on that maybe i don't know because i want to do i don't really know how to handle it because i, I started the schlock reviews channel just to mm-hmm. do genuine reviews of schlock movies and i turned it into like a weird plot based yeah cause, well it started um it started with critters did, attack cri- yeah the, this thing that i had never heard of well i only like, heard does of this it- exist i still don't think it's real it's real i, I think you made it up i i only reason <laughs> i know is because i was at walmart and i saw it i think that spawned schlock reviews because it was so like not that good that i was like why am i even watching these movies maybe I, if i can at least like talk about it <laughs> somewhere i feel like i would at least okay. not have wasted my time watching it so that was kind of your demonic toys where like five minutes in you're like ashamed of yourself well like, demonic toys was, was also me. my demonic toys because i didn't really like okay. that movie oh, no. well yeah so i mean i guess if you want to find me go look for my munchie review <laughs> it's me yelling on the side of the road yelling at cars passing by yeah there's a lot of character drama yeah there's a lot of gripping tension yeah so that's right so our guests can find you our listeners can find you on youtube and our listeners can find us i mean us as in this podcast back next week jim will return and we will be featuring star trek the motion picture which as of the time we're recording this is available on prime and our second feature will be Theater of Blood, the Vincent Price oh. horror comedy that I referred to in the past as being the superior version of the abominable Dr. Fives. A couple of classics. Not to be confused with Blood Theater yes. by Rick Sloan. <laughs> right, yeah, that's fair. Thanks for joining us, folks, and uh, we'll catch you next time. All right. <laughs>